Hey guys, welcome back to the Skullcaster episode 91. I'm your host, Walter. I am joined today by Azeel. Hey guys. Grail. Hi. And Griffith. Yo. Thanks for joining us, guys. We had a little bit of a break. I guess it's been three months or so. As you may have noticed, it's been pretty quiet on the Berserk front for the past uh, close to six months now. But we had fun recording that little, you know, uh, what did we even call that? The Unsolved Mysteries Edition was the initial thing. We ended up calling it Mythbusters, I think it was. <laughs> that was That's pretty yeah, accurate. That was pretty fun. Since then, there's been some Berserk news. It's not even really, you know, news inherently has the word new in it. But it's this isn't really new news, but I'll just review, review it anyway for the sake of posterity. Um, some olds. Olds, yeah. This is some, some olds. Is that Dark Horse announced that they would be translating that Grunbeld light novel uh, sometime in the future. There's absolutely no release date set for that. They Not even 2018, so maybe even 2019 at this point. We don't really know. Um, There's a lot of words. For sure. Volume 39 got a release date for July 24th, which puts it about a year away from the original release in Japan for that volume. And they also announced that they would release the guidebook in March of that year of 2018. So both of those came out last year uh, in Japan, but they'll be out this coming year in uh, America. So that's great, I guess. Dark Horse spitting some stuff out since that last announcement that it's actually a profitable series for them, which was interesting. Um, I think we've already talked about that, though, so I won't harp on it too much. But it's good that Berserk is being given a more a closer eye uh, by its publisher here in the States. Seems they care about it more now. Thank God it's resulting in the, the novel getting published. That's That was my dream. Yeah, and not any of the art books or anything. <laughs> that would have been nice. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, you know, the thing is, those... um. The illustrations file is the one I always limit because that's come out in every other country. It's come out in Germany. It's come out in Italy. It's come out in France. I think it even came out in Brazil. Just not in the U.S. Just not where, you know, there are tens of thousands of Berserk fans. The second largest Berserk audience in the in the world. Um, you know, maybe you don't get too confident about that. About the number? The, how about how strong the fan base is in the world? You don't yeah. think it's number two? Yeah. Not necessarily. What, where am I? Where should I be looking? Where should I be targeting my nuclear strikes and make sure we're number two? <laughs> well, France, for example. I don't. I've only met two, three Berserk French fans before, in person. Well, we did person. get the illustrations file years before you did, and the guidebook and tons of other stuff. That's I not mean, an indication of the size of the fan base. That's a, that's an indication of the profitability well, of the comic market in your country. Of the financial success of the company publishing it. Yeah, you know? sure, sure. Because. You know, I mean, Berserk is, is not the most uh, successful manga they have, even though it's successful. Mm-hmm. Whereas for Dark Horse, which is basically, I guess, a dying publisher, um, it's, you know, the <laughs> most profitable one, even though they treat it like shit. I mm-hmm. don't know. Two interesting segues from this conversation. One is that uh, Berserk is the most profitable franchise for Dark Horse, even though they also publish Star Wars, all the Star Wars yeah. shitty comics, <laughs> those things. <laughs> um Another uh, another segue we can make here is that the Miura comment in their latest episode was that he was excited about some figures, among them the Hulkbuster figure, which really made me think like, holy crap, Miura cares about these Avengers toys. I'm sorry, not toys, figures. Uh, he, has his, <laughs> he has his eyes on these figures for Hulk. It's just weird for me to think about Miura drooling over Having hobbies? Hulk, Hulkbuster and, and, you know, and caring you know, about these I, comic book I, movies. I, <laughs> Mira is probably like lurking in the Berserk 
merchandise section. He yeah. buys all the statues. <laughs> Honestly, I think the Hulkbuster is less shameful than the, you know, Kamen Rider, you know, sub sub series stuff, you know, which is you know pretty pretty shitty to me. It's true. I did actually. I'd never heard of the Hulkbuster, you know, figure. I did look it up. It's like a thousand dollar piece. It's made of metal and it's about as big as someone's like full arm. It's like huge. It's, it is pretty cool, I admit. But I'm just saying, it just feels like yeah. a foreign market. I don't know. It's just a weird concept to me to think about him being excited <laughs> about Avengers toys. But uh, anyway, well, you know, it is what it I is. guess uh, he's a nerd, I guess. Well, yeah. Doesn't he think it's weird that we're excited to berserk? We don't even publish the art books over there. <laughs> you like my Japanese fantasy series based on Western fantasy tropes? Yeah. These guys won't stop sending me letters. Oh, um, the other big piece of Berserk news is that on December 22nd, which is the, the day that we're recording this, actually, there'll be a new Berserk episode out. So that's good. The Berserk is is officially coming back. Oh, it looks like it's already up. Um, have you guys had a chance to look at the new Berserk episode yet? Yes. It's the 350, yes. 350. Too. That's good. You're asking like the foremost fans, you know, in the Western world, is it a time? Oh, you know, no, not really. I mean, I'm on the podcast, but you know, I just didn't, I didn't, uh, have, I didn't have time because I had to jump on the pod. <laughs> well, the other part of that, of course, is that Berserk is back for that. It's also going to come back in January, so the back on the monthly thing, and we'll see where it takes us from beyond that. One thing that was interesting during this little break and when it came back was someone had pointed out to me that something I did not even notice, which is that for the past three breaks, he has come back. Mira has come back within 26 weeks, three times in a row from uh, 2015, 2016 and 2017 all throughout all those three years. If he has a break, it lasts a maximum of 26 and he comes back. That's the most consistent he's been in. I want to say since 2004. Where you can actually it tells me hmm. people have too much time on their hands. <laughs> hey, keeping that list is not that difficult to do. It does not take, particularly we have six months to do it. Yeah, he gets a lot of downtime in between. You know, like chronicling it. You know, mm-hmm. many months between notches at times. It, of course, it doesn't prove that you know once he goes on break again that he'll definitely be back in twenty six weeks. It's just uh, of behavior here. I think there's a there's a you know correlation with uh, UFO sightings. <laughs> this is the car- the yes. carbon dating you can look at the, the the stars and use them as the well you know the berserk's armor is made out of alloys that scientists can't identify so. is this some star wars shit are you sticking some star wars shit into my podcast no no, no. this is uh, this is the the alien story out of uh, the no. pentagon i didn't follow that I, you know among the many things that's what's farm. going on in america like we've 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 got evidence of possible aliens and we're just like oh man fucking trump god damn it <laughs> I wouldn't say evidence when you send to these guys. They're also nuts, you know. Yeah. Well, it's it's just funny because it's in, like, the New York Times. Yeah. Pulitzer writers doing it. And, you know, it could just be drones or something. Yeah. I mean, I'm always surprised because they show these videos, uh, you know, like from some Navy uh, planes. And it's always like, you know, what's the beginning and the end of the video? They show some segment where... the, you know, following some, you know, object and, you know, then, then what, you know, it just cuts, but what happened? Did the thing get away? Did it just disappear? And it's all weird to me. Oh, it's just these segments. It doesn't sound very believable. Awfully convenient, right? Yeah. I mean, maybe that's, that's what the aliens that. want you to think, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm going to get probed. <laughs> yeah. I read well, a, 
kind of the gist of that. And I was not impressed by, by what was quote unquote <laughs> revealed. So I didn't really look into it beyond that. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't the guy from, uh, uh, like blink uh, whatever uh, you know the <laughs> like uh, angels and airwaves <laughs> after he left the pentagon he went to work for the company that the blink 182 guy started <laughs> <laughs> technically <laughs> who's also interested in ufos yes oh he's um, very interested and he warns the truth it's coming out soon so yeah. you know <laughs> yeah. well, got this, guys. i'm not too worried about the aliens because i know they're all allergic to water so i'm good that's right <laughs> Yeah. Or we could just give them, you know, a common computer virus. That's another uh, alternative <laughs> to destroy them. Holy shit, that rain thing in War of the Worlds. Was that War of the Worlds, right? Where it's like, oh, we're going to... No, that was Signs. Sorry, it's Signs. similar, though. War of, the worlds is, War of the Worlds is air. Right. Aliens are terrible at deciding where to invade. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. You'd think someone would have checked that. You know, we've got space... Well, did we test this atmosphere for poisons? Should we wear helmets? Man, <laughs> they're, they're as bad as we are. Man. You know, whenever I start the episode segments, I usually just jump into, like, impressions. You know what? And I was – if you go back and listen to some of the other earlier episodes, it's like people that go back and listen to these, and there are quite a few people that go back through the archives and just listen one by one. Myself included. Yeah, I would, I would love to just – do a quick summary of the episode. I think it makes sense. So I'm just going to read this little quick little blurb that I'd, I'd written about the episode. Farnese and Shirke approached Casca's final memory fragment, the one that signified the trauma of the eclipse. It's covered in barbed branches and thorns, uh, but before they can get near it, this giant bird swoops down and begins attacking. The bird, of course, signifies or represents Femto. Uh, Shirke called it the king here. And it shreds uh, the summons that they throw at it, and in its wake it leaves behind these shadows that turn into apostles that look like the ones from the eclipse. Uh, the bird snatches the coffin with the dog guts in tow and attempts to drop it from a great height. Farnese tosses out Sylph's cloak to ease its landing. Uh, the coffin lands, but the dog is injured. Uh, just as the group is beginning to be overwhelmed, something else flies out of Farnese's bag, uh, unsummoned by the group. It's the armor that Farnese had in her dream with the laundry, and it envelops the dog which growls and attacks, and that ends the episode. Um, me and Azil were talking about this episode, you know, right as it landed and just before this podcast as well. And it's funny because, like, we didn't have a lot of discussion at either point, And we're like, it's a pretty straightforward episode, which is true. And then I started typing my notes out about it. And I was like, I actually have a lot to say about it. Like, once you start unpacking what it is we're seeing here and what this all represents, it's actually – Mir is giving us – I think he's giving us – Something pretty special here that I think maybe can get lost if we're just focusing on the kind of A to B of this particular episode, which is mm. they're trying to get to the memory and they are yet again hit with defenses and they have to put up their own summons to attack it. You know, that kind of thing is being carried forward from the previous episodes. But really what we're getting here is like a, a manifestation or like a simulation of Gus versus Femto. Really? Yeah. That's what Mira is kind of serving yeah. up to us on a plate, which is pretty awesome when you think about it. I uh, didn't really expect to see that. And just because next episode is the last one. Yeah, that's it. That's right. This is it. This is the final. Co- <laughs> the final. Jessica wakes up and the end. Thanks yeah. for reading, it was, guys. It was all a dream, and she's still a little girl on the farm. Mm-hmm. Oh <laughs> boy! Thirty the do- years in the baking. The dog she's, ate no, the bird. The end. She's dying from the. The wound, you know, the, you know, evil novel, you know, gave her and she's like, oh, this was, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I guess it makes this whole episode is rather complicated to go through because there's a lot to think about in terms of like what it is we're seeing, because 
they are all being housed and they're interacting with this world that's within Casca's mind. But they've been adding scraps of their own experiences and their own memories and their own pasts to this. Like, you know, Farnese brings in the armor, which is foreign, a foreign entity to Casca's memories and Casca's experiences, at least insofar as the Eclipse is concerned. Silph's cloak is also something independent of her experiences, but it's being, it's, it creates this big stew. So basically, you can't really necessarily say what's going to happen with uh, Berserk Armor versus, you know, this Femto representation. I think it, it adds an additional kind of flavor to this stew that, uh, you know, it kind of keeps us on our toes about exactly what will happen. You know, I'm not so hot on this stew metaphor, just saying. No, oh, really? This is the first I've heard. You don't like my stew? What's wrong? More salt? <laughs> I mean, I do want to more of a goulash fan, but... <laughs> it's totally a stew. It's totally a stew. Cause, because there's these disparate elements of things that mm-hmm. shouldn't normally go together. Because there's Casca's wow. world, there's and, there's and there's what Farnese and Shirke are bringing to the table that are foreign to this world. All right. All right. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, I think the... Uh, the takeaway I get from it, it's what you said at the start, you know, you could, you know, on the surface, it's a straightforward episode if you just follow the action, but kind of every image and every, you know, player in this is sort of symbolic and telling a story unto itself. And that's mm-hmm. what's pretty cool about it. Just like the, the Femto Black Hawk, you know, the stealth bomber Femto with a, you know, suggestive head yeah. is, uh, is a pretty awesome thing to look at. And also just when it's flying, down and i mean not to get into the thick of it already but the sure it's eye or whatever what, what is that supposed to be yeah i think it's a big opening but it looks fucking awesome it also reminds me it also reminded me of guts wound even though i don't think there's nothing else to really connect that mm. you know but it reminded me of locus eye you know mm. actually thought uh, because of the very simplified like look you know there's like a v kind of mouth it actually reminded me of the beast's eye which is very uh, the iconic kind of z effect on it but yeah it's just a really mm. simple slash i thought it was supposed to represent the mouth as it's opening this yeah, white same, light yeah. the mouse it also of course just evokes the design of femto slash griffith's helmet you know that little cut yeah. where the mouth goes but yeah i love i really love that design as well um Another thing was, uh, throughout this whole journey, you know, they've just, these barriers have been put up. And, you know, on the podcast, we've been discussing those as, as the defense mechanism that Casca has been putting up. That's kind of the unspoken thing throughout this whole journey is that all these barriers and all these, you know, things that are preventing them from retrieving all the memories, you know, our, our hypothesis has, has been that it will, is ultimately Casca that's pushing against the restoration mm-hmm. of her body. And here yeah. Shirke refers to Femto as the, the king of those that's, you know, that are opposing them. And I thought at yeah, first that might be. King make, of monsters. Correct. I, I wrote down king of monsters. I wasn't sure how confident we were in that, so I didn't say it, but, um, yeah. at first I thought maybe that would negate that line of reasoning, but then you realize, you know, this is all of it. Everything that exists is from Casca's mind. So even this representation of Femto was empowered by yeah. Casca's memory and Casca's fear and, of and that. Like, I mean, the, the, the key element, the core of it all is uh, the rape, you know, so it makes sense that the king of the monsters is the one that rapes, raped her, you know, I mean, that's obviously gotta be the last boss, you yeah. know, quote unquote. So I think it makes sense, even in that interpretation. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's very chaotic right now, this fight and all these disparate elements coming together. And, but this is still in line with my expectations for, for how things would go, but we haven't really gone, to the part of the story where I feel less sure about how Mira will resolve it. And that's, of course, the actual mm. trauma itself. Like, tapping into that memory and grappling with that and, and what happens from that, 
I, I don't know. That's where I feel very unsure about how he's going to do that. Uh, particularly with all this, it's basically the storm that he's created. Is, are we going to see a calming of the storm or is this going to be the beginning of the end of this particular, of this conflict we're seeing now? I, I don't have the answer to that. Hard to tell. Well, grabbing the fragment bring peace or is the fragment also going to depict like the literal interpretation of what we're already kind of seeing coming together again here? That's what's sort of interesting about it. I would expect you know, that the, the fragment itself to be the moment of the rape itself, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, you know, it, it will be, I think uh, a lot, you know, will, you know, depend on how that uh, memory is shown to us, you know, and specifically what Casca, you know, what's st- stuck in our mind. You know, I, I keep going back to the idea that, you know, w- uh, Guts watching her was a big deal. But, you know, I mean, it will, I think a, a lot will depend on uh, how it's interpreted. The- and to go back to what you were saying, um, you know, I, I have to say, like, this episode itself didn't, I wasn't very excited by it uh, because uh, I'm waiting for what comes after. You know, the yeah, I think there was that- a six-month build-up towards something, and then mm-hmm. that's the trouble with episodically following this is that your your expectations do, I think, uh, mm-hmm. affect how you experience an episode as it's coming out like this. So I understand yeah. what you mean. Right. Yeah, but that can also be a positive sometimes. Like uh, again, when we saw the. The two-page spread of Femto and Skull Knight, you know, where Skull Knight's holding, you know, the sword down on him. It was that was maybe a top ten moment in my entire life, you know, in or outside. <laughs> sure, you know, it, was, it, it was like, wow, this is exciting. Sure. But yeah. uh, but yeah, I know what you mean, and it does sort of feel like like we're still we're still on the journey rather than like after this big wait. Here's the destination. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it was it was interesting in and of itself, and I also thought it was interesting. And you know, tell me if you guys saw this or correct me if i'm wrong but it seemed like it was getting more literal as it went on like the creatures started really looking more and more like the creatures from the eclipse like i saw the count in there mm-hmm. yeah 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 it was just, it's like specific. it's just straight up a recreation it's no longer like is or it became less symbolic anyway yeah what's interesting is that um, basically the when the falcon the dark falcon or whatever uh, you know, like kind of destroyed the scenery or damaged it. It then reformed into the shapes of the episode from the eclipse. So right. I think I think uh, that signifies that uh, this is like the really the representation of you know what Casca fears. Actually, it's what Shiruke says. Like this monster is a uh, it embodies uh, the the fear of you know Casca has about these, these events. So mm-hmm. it's really you know it's. Yeah, it's basically um, the essence of the eclipse and everything, you know, as she's uh, representing it in uh, her her nightmare. I I think that transitional effect you're talking about, Griff, how they became more literal. I think that was just because when we first see them, they're still manifesting from the shadow stuff that the uh, Falcon creates. And then later we see them fully manifested. I think that's all that is. Well, it's just interesting because everything up until this point had been a little bit more you know representative rather than like literally showing like hey there's you know again use the count as an example mm-hmm. you know like this the whole journey could have been littered with you know actual things from casca's you know oh memory sure so it was it's interesting that yeah even as the the falcon i mean it that's interesting in and of itself that it as it destroys it's also creating you know the real monsters mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know and it's like this source of them you're right though because yeah. um Everything leading up to this has been an abstraction of a fear. Like the spider, for example, did not hold a right. literal giant spider that was, you know, there. Uh, but we are seeing literal apostles. You know, we had these giant penis monsters last time that were abstractions of a fear. And now we have actual yeah. apostles. So you're right. I see what you mean. 
Yeah. Um, the other thing, of course, the other big thing to talk about, I guess, is um, what bringing the Berserk armor onto the stage means, you know, moving forward. Uh, there's been lots of talk. That seems to be the topic and the thread right now is what that really means uh, moving forward. Is the armor going to turn on them as it has done in the past, for example? Or will that just, will this be a moment of empowerment and not fear from guts, you know? What do you guys think about that? Uh, you know, like I said in the thread, um, honestly, I feel it would suck if, you know, like, I'm not, I understand why the armor comes into play here, uh, or rather I say I understand, but I'm waiting to see what it's going to be about. So I'm I'm not you know I like it totally makes sense. Uh, Farnes had this dream and she's now using the stuff from her dream. Uh, you know that something you know probably few people can is the fact that uh, Farnes and Shiruke's relationship is kind of turned around here, where Shiruke has been using and using her tricks, and now she's out of ideas and it's Farnes who saves the day with uh, some kind of last minute stuff. So I, I thought that was nice mm-hmm. uh, to see her being re- resourceful about what the stuff she she had in store. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand. Like she used the Mosga stuff that was great, and uh, I understand now she should use the other things she had. I wasn't necessarily like a huge fan of uh, you know like seeing the cloak and stuff. And same for the armor. The reason being that this, this is Casca's dream, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like this makes it a bit too guts centric. But again, like mm-hmm. we mentioned earlier, it kind of makes sense for it to be guts and griefies. I mean, these are, are people that were interesting to Casca. But to get back to the armor, I feel like if this ended up being a big deal, like about the, the armor is going to turn on us, is it good or evil? I feel like that's kind of distracting from the issue, which is Casca uh, during the eclipse, her broken mind. You know, it's like, why Why are we talking? Like, why is this here? You know, that's not yeah. what this is about. And I feel mm-hmm. like the, you know, like the the deal with Guts and the armor is something that should come into play later on anyway in the real world where Casca is going to have to deal with that because if they all are to go back to the, you know, uh, mainland and try to stop Griffiths, this is going to be a big issue. So it's going to have to be dealt with anyway. So I don't know if this is a place for it to be uh, shown. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely it's something they deal with. Like we've already we've replayed this scene, you know, if it if it did, you know, come to that. We've seen the armor, you know, all the enemies are dead. The guts turns towards, you know, mm-hmm. the group. Serpico starts sweating and, you know, peeing his pants a little <laughs> bit. And then <laughs> and then something, you know, intervenes and you yep. know whether it's the child, you know, something so to have that happen again here, it's like when it, it doesn't really yeah. when it, it yeah, and it doesn't seem necessary, like he was saying. It would be interesting if something maybe different happened if we got an outcome like you know if we maybe we see a different fear realized you know through it or it's just straightforward you know the beast comes in and helps like it does and you know we don't necessarily have to focus on you know that part of it which is you know sooner or later going to be a focus anyway unless he wants to use that as a springboard for later to say hey we're gonna have to deal with this you know or it plants it in casca's mind going forward but uh I don't know. Yeah, I can see as his point there that it would be a little weird if it became, you know, if it became that again, and it would be jarring for the focus to so swing to the point of, oh my god, it's turning on us. What do we do? And mm-hmm. then the episode becomes about that. Mm-hmm. I don't, a, yeah, I can see this going in so many different ways. Like, I, I do kind of feel like the armor will turn on them because that has been the thematic thing that happens with the armor when you, yeah. when, you when you place it on the board yeah. yes it's powerful but there's always a counterstroke to, to being this being used and now in the past the whole con the whole conflict has been resolved 
you know, by Shirke's intervention, usually with astral projection. I'm not sure she can necessarily do that within the bounds of the dream world. Maybe she can. She hasn't done it so far. Uh, and of course, there's the boy, but the boy would be a completely foreign entity to this world. The only way I can see it making any sense at all is if the sprite is the one that, you know, brings it in, which is, you know, the sprite presumably right. represents all the experiences and memories that Cascas had since well, the eclipse. It could theoretically be Shirke too. I could also see that because mm. she is also, she is aware of the boy. And that would be interesting if like all of a sudden that was in her bag, kind of the way the, the beast unexpectedly was in Farnese's. But she actually, so, I mean, that's actually a problem because Shirke has not made the connection that the boy is the one that has rescued Guts and Casca. Well, from just, the, just the higher being itself. Mm. That she, she has seen that and wondered, what is that? So it would be interesting if, you know, she just pulls like some light being out of her bag, you know. Even but that, again, it, it, the whole thing it would become. Why are we replaying this? Yeah, behind, I mean, you know. If the boy comes into play, I'm I, you know asking him out, guys. I'm like, wow, <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, Thanks, guys. I'm, well, I'm I guess here, well, let me yeah. finish. <laughs> let me finish how it could go out. Like, I, I don't, I don't foresee it being exactly like that. Although I do think the conflict itself, even maybe even between guts and femto, could be resolved. By something else, by some maybe maybe it happens to be the boy. Maybe maybe it's a representation of the boy, but they don't know what it is yet. Like a great light that mm. stops the conflict, and then they are able to grapple with whatever the actual memory is. So that that's the well, part that, where it, go ahead. It would be cool if it was Casca herself, as we discussed. Sure. You know, and, she, she basically you know activates or is able to intervene in her own mind, or get to the point where you know, yeah, or, that, or she ends up saving the guts dog. Because I was thinking, you know, it's an opportunity to also do something different with that dynamic mm-hmm. where maybe we see you know a situation where the armor is actually going to kill mm-hmm. you know the the dog or you know it's going to get killed fighting in it what if and it would be interesting because obviously i don't think guts is going to die I well hope. hang on, hang <laughs> on. what if what, what if su- what if suddenly the cuts and we see a panel of the chain breaking in two hands or breaking the chain in half so c- connecting the dog and the coffin and then casca goes over to the dog and strangles it with a chain <laughs> I mean, the chain's already broken. The, the, the falcon broke it when it uh, oh, threw it? the dog away. I missed that yeah. panel. Damn. Oh, yeah. that's a that's a yeah. scary bit of that, that's so you know, like, you know, the dog gets thrown away and impaled on a on the thorny vines, and then the armor jumps to it, and then it gets angry and stuff. But you know, one one thing you you didn't mention is uh, maybe why the dog and the falcon are fighting. Uh, regardless of the outcome, or maybe there's no outcome, and the, the girls just manage to get the fragment. And, and you know, it. yeah, once they get the fragment, oh, sure. every, everything just you know disappears, and you know it gets the memory, and then they can move on to the next step. That I think I might, yeah. yeah, that would make yeah. for a great yeah. team because there's no conflict resolution there. Yeah, that yeah. works. That works for that works on a number of levels, actually. Yeah, yeah that's think, probably the best. I think I'd, I'd probably prefer that to you know to any other thing because. Yeah, it would be and weird. Like if you if you if you play the don't scene you think out, it would be good though to have? No, go ahead. If you if you play the scene out, like it seems to be playing out with guts versus femto. Is the scene really going to end with the with guts like chewing on femto's neck? I feel like that's maybe a little premature to be seeing that visual. You know, in terms well, of storytelling. If anything, if it did have a resolution and didn't end the way uh, as proposed, which is. I, we just agreed was you know a pretty elegant way out uh i think it would end with the dog you know perishing Mm. as sort of a you know a forewarning of you know where things are headed on the current course Mm. you know i actually like the idea that 
as they get to the fragment, the dog is losing, you know, and the falcon is, yeah. like, I don't know, breaking its neck, you know, in its mouth or something. But there's one thing, um, you know, you know, in all this, uh, I think it's important not to lose, uh, you know, uh, sight of the fact both the dog and the falcon and everything is basically, you know, representation of uh, Casca's mind and so in parts of her mind, maybe, of of her will. And so I've, I've kept, you know, saying throughout this whole thing that the dog is probably how she, you know, represents her will to keep going, you know. Uh, it would make sense that she, you know, uh, you know, represents this as guts because he's obviously, you know, the struggle that's, and everything. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, and the, and the falcon is probably her, you know, I guess, again, going to back to what Shiruki said, it's her biggest fear, you know, her fear of facing, you know, the trauma. And so, and, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious, like, two of these two parts fighting each other and to have uh, Farnese, you know, something from Farnese helping, uh, you know, the part of Casca that wants to, to leave or to get back you know destroy her fear you know i think that's uh, thematically very powerful and yeah i don't know i think it's uh, something worth uh, dwelling on I yeah think i think that's a, a good point is not to look at maybe the the femto versus guts fight too literally because yeah. at the end of the day it's yeah. all about Kaska. and mm-hmm. like you guys were saying you know having all the characters and all the different aspects of stuff after the eclipse is a little jarring just because we're in that pre-eclipse state of mind leading up to the eclipse but that i think that's a great point that we should be thinking about it in terms of this is casca's mind we should be focusing yeah. on that as readers yeah, yeah it, i mean it's just distracting for us because it's like you know it's guts versus perfect you know oh my god <laughs> but uh but uh, just because we brought up sort of the stew as uh as yeah Molly put it, you know <laughs> the, the stew is back baby, baby we and, got well, stew no, and, you know there's you know, as in his distaste for the stew. <laughs> well, I, I don't mind it so much because I'll use a different stew. metaphor. Oh, come the, on. Uh, I'm fine with the stew. Jesus. Let's, let's I like stew. Let's it from a stew. <laughs> sorry, Griff. I'm sorry I brought the stew back up. <laughs> no, but, uh, <laughs> well, the, those are sort of like the things that, uh, you know, we're talking about that are sort of post-eclipse that are sort of, you know, antagonistic to the leading up to the eclipse and the eclipse itself are being brought in by Farnese and Shirke. So these are almost sort of like sides <laughs> rather than something in the stew that they're bringing in yeah. with them. So, I mean, that, that differentiates it for me enough that like, I don't, you know, it doesn't bother me. It's not like, I don't see it. I don't have any dissonance about that. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense that there are foreign elements because they are supposed to be, you know, in the first yeah. place. So I, I guess in a way, it's also a way for Murad to be like, um, you know, it's a replay of the eclipse. It's like, what if, you know, you know, and I, I guess it's almost, you know, I wouldn't say fan service, but it's, you know, what if that's had the armor at the eclipse, you know, and people are like, oh, yeah. you want to fuck them all up, you want to <laughs> just kill them all, you know, and yeah, maybe, I mean, probably not, he would probably be been killed anyway, but, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, so, and, you know, we were talking to, you know, with Walter earlier, and we're saying like, you know, Mura's probably got some, you know, something in mind, you know, like, you know, it, it doesn't feel like it's just uh, fortuitous that he's, you know, getting this big symbolic, you know, uh, femto versus, you know, uh, guts, you know, as a dog versus a falcon stuff. It's, it feels like there's something behind it. And so I, I have a lot of expectation for next episode. I'm, I'm basically, I'm like, yeah, you got a lot of great things to answer for. So yeah. I'm just, you know, it's I, not- because, yeah, I feel like 
you know, just uh, thinking back on everything, like over the years, everything Mira's done, I feel like he's got something in mind. You know, this is not, we're not just getting this. It's, this. Not, it's not just a light show. Yeah, yeah, pre- yeah, pretty much. It's not just, oh, you know, it's just going to be a fight, so I'm mm-hmm. just going to get the dog, you know, in the armor. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, something more than that. Yeah, it's, it's, it'd, be very un- the- it'd be very unlike Mira to just tease that conflict, which he, he never really does put these two on the same page, even if it is a simulation, and not go for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sorry, girl. I, w- I was just going to say, I think the, 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 the bit with um, Dog Guts, you know, putting on the armor was such an unexpected moment. I think it, it's almost like Mira telling us, you know, don't think that this is going to go the way that you predicted all these years. I feel like we, there are still surprises for us coming up. And I'm, even if it does take another extra episode or two, I'm very, very curious to see how this turns out. And Well, it's even uh, uh, it's depicted as jarring to the characters themselves, too. So, I mean, mm-hmm. it is an intentionally very jarring moment when, the, when it comes out of the bag. I think yeah. what, we, we actually had predicted this happening, but we act, we dismissed it out of turn in the last podcast. We yeah, said, I do I do yeah. recall that. I, I remember the thought I think was some, two different representations dumb. of guts. <laughs> two different guts. That wouldn't make any sense. Well, this is an example I think of. You know, Mira pulling out something that we might have dismissed before, and yeah. you know, being like, "Listen, guys, let's double down. Let's yeah. do this." And it, <laughs> it, it's such a beautiful. It, I love this panel where it has the full shot of dog guts in the armor mm-hmm. and it's well just it's funny because it doesn't look that different from when <laughs> guts is in the armor what's funny is it's like you know you That's figure the dog the dog could already be a symbol for the armor if it needed to be just if it like started foaming at the mouth and mm-hmm. went wild you know basically yeah. it could just do that itself it's funny that it's like you take something that's symbolic and then put something so literal and practical over it. like the actual mm-hmm. armor itself comes on it and it looks pretty much like you know the beast armor just you know on all fours when it's already pretty primitive you know when he's in the armor he's pretty primal so you know what, what i uh, like about it is that you know even though it comes out of the bag by itself you know in a way i feel like this is still something uh, farnes and shiruke brought you know uh with them you know mm-hmm. uh, the yeah. idea is that you know no, like the fact the armor is dangerous and will, you know, like become this monstrous, unpredictable thing, like unstoppable, you know, creature. I feel like this is something unconsciously, you know, like Farnese didn't take it out of the back herself, but mm-hmm. unconsciously because it's the dream world, you know, this is probably something she, you know, in a way, you know, activated herself, you know, just by, you know, the way of things. And, you know, it's, so I, I think it, it's still something she brought with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, so that's why I think it mm. makes sense that, you know, even though it like doesn't, it looks odd because it's just, you know, uh, the armor on the dog, you know, so it's uh, kind of um, strange looking, but yeah, again, I, I feel like it's, you know, it's in line with the rest, you know, it's something far as they brought. And I actually just to talk about the design, one thing I find funny and I like is the fact the, uh, the cape, Makes a tail for the dog. Yeah, yeah. that's very cool. I just you know, he's kind of seen yeah. it. That's such a great point. As uh, sorry, I just wanted to touch on the point since, as you were saying that it was sort of almost an unconscious thing, and that Farnese Farnese brought it from her dream. I'm starting to feel like this whole uh, section of the story is almost like a conversation, and it's happening uh, as the subtext for the events that are happening as we're watching them. The very fact that Farnese and Shirke are here and even though their role is almost like a passive observer, it's almost like 
Casca's talking back at them with the monsters and the fact that they're continuing as their way of saying, we're not giving up, we're not giving up. And the yeah. the eruption of the armor out of Farnese's bag and interacting with the guts dog feels like, wow, that's like Farnese and Casca being like, all right, let's let's make this happen. Yeah, yeah I, I actually, uh, I completely agree. I think that's a really a great observation and a perfect interpretation of the events, uh, yeah. which is, you know, Farnese and Shiruke were brought in by uh, Danan to fix Casca. And, you know, like one of the first things they said is, you know, we might have to do this against her will. You know, I mean, I mean even if you go back to the Skull Knight's world as a bitch, you know, uh, it might not be what she wants. I mean, this could be like, his words can be interpreted in many ways, but this could be uh, a way to interpret them is that, there's a really a big part of her, like this whole dream, this whole environment is her saying, I don't want to get, I don't want to go back, you know, and there's like this small part, the dog, you know, uh, dragging the coffin is, is the only part of her that, that wants to actually, you know, uh, get back uh, together. And that's a really small part when it, you compare it to everything else, you know, and, and I'm guessing the sprite is a spark of, you know, life that will light the light in the doll again but i mean these, these are really small parts of her when you compare it to the rest which i i guess is um, a representation of the extent of a trauma you know which is very big and like you said uh, the girls are pretty much i mean i feel like the Amo is finally saying okay you know i'm i'm done with this shit you know <laughs> she's she's pulling out her biggest card you know it's like okay mm-hmm. you know, let's see how you guys get this you know <laughs> second oh. biggest card there's one floppy card still to be played oh yeah i mean then she, you know <laughs> It would be fun to see her pulling out the Dragon Slayer, actually swatting at the, you know, the... You know, no, no, the, with the, it. the dog will grab it with its teeth in the next episode. <laughs> I, know, I, mean, of, I mean, of course, of course. That's also, you know, a very thief-like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, imagery. Yeah, there's another thing I keep wanting to bring up, and I don't know exactly how to word this. I'll just do my best here. Uh, Azil, you and your initial problem with... Um, this conflict suddenly being about the beast's introduction and against Femto and even the inclusion of the boy, it's like, and it takes so much away from Casca. I think that might also be kind of the point is that this conflict, which has created such strife for this, this relationship between, you know, guts and, and Femto and Casca. And I, I wonder actually if, you know, Casca, the coffin itself will be, will come into even more perilous danger in the next episode, like as a result of this conflict, like in their struggle, they endanger Casca or something like that. Perhaps. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Again, I mean, I don't want to project too much because I feel like uh, it's really hard to predict what's going to happen in the next episode. But, you know, I don't know. I feel like the the idea that, uh, you know, the armor is dangerous, you know, in this specific context is kind of, you know, I don't know. I, I, that's not something I necessarily myself personally want to see because uh, I feel it would detract from the rest. But, I mean, who knows? We'll see. We'll, see what well everything else has been sort of purely positive right i mean even things that are dangerous like magic spells and you know things like that has been you know the the idea so far has seemingly been that it's just been working for them mm-hmm. yeah and not something that they have to be wary of like they might if they were doing it in reality obviously you know spells are yeah know, and, 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 and that's true she doesn't maintain the spell for example yeah yeah and they, yeah. they don't they don't uh, like they don't obey the normal rules you know like Shirky yeah. adapted to this very quickly where she just you know throwing them out like candy and they take life it's been, and it's been more like power-ups almost you know yeah. where they they can just use it and there's been no drawbacks so it'll be interesting yeah if this is different and it's different i guess in the way that like as grail was saying we're seeing almost a it's almost a, co- a cooperation 
between the what they're bringing in and what Casca has there in the dog. And mm, you know, you yep. can look at that like they're yeah. forcing it on the dog, or uh, or yeah, it is sort of a sense of them actually working together instead of them just using those powers to knock down the defenses. Yeah, they're they're augmenting the dog in a way, but yeah. one thing that's interesting and a kind of a counterpoint to what you're saying. Um, is the fact Farnese's stuff, you know, uh, it's not just like it's not just clothes she's bringing in, they've got personalities, you know, like in her dreams, they were talking and stuff. And for example, in this, uh, in this episode, when she <laughs> throws a serpical cloak, you know, it actually speaks like serpico, and it's like, oh, you're being rough with me, Lady Farnese, <laughs> you know, in a very typical serpico tone where he's like half whining, you know, but still doing it. <laughs> so, the best is- it's Mosgus, though. <laughs> yeah, of yeah, course. I mean, Mosgus. <laughs> he's the uh, ultimate best. But so, yeah, I mean, because uh, Farnese has got this representation of uh, the armor, I mean, Gus wearing the armor, uh, I mean, I feel like it makes sense for it to also display the uh, qualities she's, she's uh, you know, seen it with before. So I, I don't know. We'll see. I'm just, I'm just very, I mean, I, I feel like the nightmare sequence so far has been. Just are, I mean, perfect, uh, really, you know, perfect stuff. And, and now I'm not so sure. And, you know, exa- also pretty much exactly how I expected it to be, you know, after we started seeing how the world works and everything. So now I'm just, I'm just curious to see uh, what it's going to be. I mean, this episode wasn't exactly what I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm just curious to see how it's going to go. One thing, though, which we, I, I feel like we, we kind of passed over quickly is the uh, the Falcon itself, I mean, I really love the design, the way it first appears, you know, this kind of sweeping, enormous thing, like like a gi- really giant thing. Overwhelming. Yeah. yeah, it's so big. And of course, there's this, you know, like the head of it is very, you know, evocative, you know, again, uh, sticking with, I mean, with the rape theme. So, yeah, I mean, I, I really like that. And uh, I feel like that was also a really great way to, I mean, I don't know, to just show that as uh, uh, a challenge, you know, I guess. Well, yeah, I, um, the, the power of it is sort of represented literally in its in its size, you know, in simplicity. It seems overwhelmingly large and just like this big black shape. I mean, I compared it to like a like a yeah, like a bomber, or, you know, a plane or just something, you know, that no person could stand against. Yeah, unstoppable. And when they try it, almost you know, just you know, blow them over just by flying. Yeah. Back. The um, it's, it could, this could just be an effect on the page, and I went back and look at three. I went back and looked at three fifty one to confirm. But you know, the end of three fifty one, the the center of what the the barbed area where the final piece is, it's kind of glowing from the inside. And yeah. you go into three fifty two, and you see that effect again on the first page. But after the falcon appears, you know that glow isn't there. You can actually see directly through the barbed area. I actually wondered if it did it come from that. Uh, it was, we don't we no. don't get a good shot of that thing later. No, yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's just an effect on the page. Mm. I think I think the glow is a fragment itself. So did I. But yeah, yeah one thing uh, I'm still curious about is that so there's uh, the falcon and everything, and there's uh, the you know shadow apostles and stuff. But I'm still wondering how they managed to get through the you know the vines mm-hmm. who seem to be kind of you know I don't know alive or something. Well, they're not just passive, so. You know, that's also a thing is that the dog I'm I'm uh, I'm guessing will just rip through the the apostles and you know uh, tackle on the, the falcon. But uh, how will they manage to? I mean, I guess maybe Shuriki will just use uh, her uh, summonings to to cut through the vines. But I feel like getting to the fragment itself it will not be uh, an easy thing to do. 
I mean, it could do. It's a dream world, so I could, I'm, I'm thinking like the golems could like create a bridge for them, like throwing their bodies on it one by one, like step by step. Across yeah, that. I mean, we we actually see them uh, like uh, how to say push them apart so the yeah. thing can can get through at first. But uh, yeah, I'm, what I'm if curious. we see? I mean, again, so idea visually but possible just i mean shirke literally riding the beast to it you mm. know through the through the thorns it's, it's <laughs> armor and she's you know she's ridden basically on its back before you know and uh <laughs> you know in a sense so that would be something again it would be comical but you know i wouldn't rule it out with some of this sort of you know yeah the strange you know imagery we've seen mm-hmm. yeah one one thing uh we also didn't comment on is that we, we see uh foreign is a uh, hard to say uh, kind of cutting our thighs on the on the thorns, so yeah. you know, I'm I'm feeling like we we might get in next episode actually see uh, the girls take some damage, you know, some pretty substantial uh, damage, uh, you know, like in the final push to get to the fragment. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that was just to show, yeah, the stakes there that like, yeah, they're actually getting hurt now, and mm. it's that's probably going to be required to get to the fragment, you know. Mm-hmm. Emotional and physical toll. I was actually going to point out that I really loved all of Farnese's expressions in this uh, episode. There was such a huge variety, like from panel Mm. to panel, just how her expressions change. And uh, it's pretty cool to see how Mira is just pulling all the stops out for this, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it just shows how she's matured too, right? And she's not bowing down from this. Like, you know, she's she's fighting through this. And she has a very determined look on her face in a lot of the pages as well. I thought that was very cool. Yeah. You know, I, mean, I, I feel just, like what a she's come pretty far since yeah. holding that cat of nine tails. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It feels like it's been a long time. Yeah, you know, you know, I feel, I feel like uh, like this whole sequence is also. I mean, it's a, it's as much about Farnese as uh, it is about Cascade to me. I mean, you know, maybe mm-hmm. not, but <clears throat> I feel like she she's a uh, she's shown a lot of a lot of development in in that sequence so far. You know. From the beginning to now, you know everything. You know, I feel like she's a part of her maturation, and uh, she she's going to come out of this much stronger. And I feel it's uh, it also, how to say, it's a step ladder for her and Casca's new relationship. You know, afterwards, uh, yeah. which I, I feel will take a, another level. Yeah, well, you could describe it as almost there's been like a role reversal with her and Shirke in this episode, and I mean, mm-hmm. if if not that, it's definitely she's sort of been elevated where they're they're on equal ground here, almost. Yeah. You know, Shirke obviously her experience, you know, lets her think through things pretty quickly, but I mean, as far as you know, their abilities, it's yeah. you know, it's pretty equal. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you know what's coming next, uh, which is a fragment in uh, the memory of the rape. I mean, that's you know. I feel like Farnese is going to be better equipped to deal with that than Shuruke. You know, it's a very uh, adult thing and womanly thing, and Shuruke is still a kid. You know, I feel like, mm-hmm. I mean, that's well. Tough. Farnese is also a, a sexual woman too. She's not someone who you know, she understands yeah. these things. Uh, it's the same thing that you're saying, but uh, yeah, I and, and I mean, she, she's yeah, and she's seen a lot of depravity. I mean, she she's uh, had a fair share of uh, horrible stuff done, and uh, like she's seen. T- culture and stuff so i mean i feel like she's better equipped and you know she was into mm. trolls then she she's seen rape before I, I feel like she's better equipped to deal with that so she might uh again take the lead you know uh during that part you know and maybe you know the final part where you know after they complete the stuff uh, you know the doll and everything they actually have to convince casca to like take the final step and say okay i want to you know i want to go back uh, i feel like she she might take uh, the lead there. 
Mm. Yeah. I mean, this could also be the time that, you know, Flora finally makes a return and ushers Shirke off the stage saying, like, NC-17, this is not for you. <laughs> Come back later. Let's meet in the lobby. Yeah. Well, I, again, it's sort of that in that same vein, I could see, you know, uh, Farnese recognizing that she needs to protect, yeah. you know, Shirke. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all this talk over the past few minutes, I haven't really chimed in. All I've been thinking about is, you know, where this is all leading, you know, finally seeing Casca again. Now, we've been talking about this exact subject for more than a year now on our episodic podcast, and it just seems like we're every episode we're we're closer, and yet there's still a lot to do before we get to that moment of a restored Casca. And, and then, of course, what the implications of that are for the rest of the series. We're, we're still not quite there yet. Mm. Yep. It's a good feeling, though, knowing we're on our way, and it's like, you know, it's probably going to happen within, you know, like if we follow the six months on six months off you know rule of thumb there that we'll probably get to see it happen in this uh, in this run yeah. yeah yeah absolutely could be could be i would expect that would be the case but um i don't know we'll see that's all i had for the episode discussion um i am the only person of this group here the assembled group that has not seen star wars the new star wars movie um so i'm gonna bow out if you guys wanted to talk about that i will just put myself on mute and go with my kid so you guys can continue to continue talking about how awesome that movie was because all i've heard is positive stuff from it <laughs> oh you betcha so it's um, best for fans mm-hmm. this is actually <laughs> i realized this is exactly what happened when the force awakens came out i was the only one that did not see it and you and griffin azil just talked about that movie for like an hour and a half or something like that <laughs> yeah. and i came back later so anyway guys uh, have fun and um Save some for me? No. I'm, I'm going to see you this weekend, and I'll let you know in the forum what I think. No, I already know what you'll think. I don't know. Maybe I'll be the, you know, I'll be the... No. Okay. No, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to like it still. I've read a lot of that thread. I've not spoiled myself necessarily. You know what? But... I mean, I'll, I mean, my my tip going in would just be like, there, there's stuff there you could talk yourself into. We'll cool. see. Yeah. I, don't think, yeah. I don't think you're going to like it, but... <laughs> All I, I really a, care about... There's a pathway to liking it. The only thing I really care about is the Luke stuff, and I've heard that it's like really disappointing, which is too bad. But oh well. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna bow this, out. I'm gonna yeah, bow you're out. not gonna like it. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> Shit. All right, guys, I'm gonna bounce. Alright, see you, Walter. Ciao, man. Okay. Is he gone? Yeah, now we can say the truth. It's really great. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, yeah, I loved it. Oh, it it just paid off my entire childhood and made it all... It it, it elevated it and made it more worthwhile. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you've read my uh, forum post about it. It was very short. yeah, I, don't, I, I, I didn't. Did I miss it, or did you put it after that? No, big post I, I just, I I just had? yeah, I just posted it. Uh, like uh, it's, uh, it was the last last thing I posted, and I'll, oh, I'll, okay. quote, it, I'll quote it to you: bloated and mindering. Would have been a great <laughs> yeah. one hour and a half movie. Oh, they- you know what? You're just a fanboy. You know that? That's all. <laughs> wait, you wait, is, wait. That is not a valid criticism. And uh, you know, albeit with giant ass plot holes, like who the fuck is Snoke again? Uh, anyway. <laughs> The franchise should have ended with the first movie. No sequels needed, not even Empire. 
And then you, you guys have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> that's With a little Catholic kissy face. That's my, that's my impression. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like it's uh, it's just a mess. It's Like I said, bloated, mindering, and just messy. I mean, random stuff, you know, that feels like it's not connected to each other and characters who don't feel like they're, you know, characters. You know, I mean, I don't know. I feel like... Like, I've seen a lot of people say they love uh, Poe, Dameron, whatever. I feel like this is not even a character. It's just a, an archetype. You know, he's literally what the general, what's her name, call him just a flyboy. He's just flyboy. He, he's like the guy from Wing Commander. You know, he's just... <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's Blair. You're yeah, right. He is pretty yeah. much Commander Blair. Yeah, he's he's no one. He's just... You know, like literally just a flyboy, and, and you know, like the whole thing was like, you know, she she didn't want to be a hero, she just wanted to save lives. I mean, that's so oh my god, ah, oh, Jesus Christ, do we need this shit? I've, I've no, honestly, it feels like you know, it's your mom telling you you should uh, lend your toys to the other boys. No, I mean, this is <laughs> this is ridiculous. Oh boy, I mean, I really hated that, and the whole casino stuff. I mean, that's really like it's literally filler, you know, it brings nothing to the table. Oh god, I uh. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think here of my positive. Well, I mean, I feel like you almost have to. That's where this this you know alternative interpretation comes in, where it's actually a satire on all this stuff, in yeah. a deconstruction of it, in a parody of it, including of Star Wars stuff, and it's actually kind of you know interesting because yeah, when I looked at it and just took it literally, it's like you know. Again, I look at it through the sort well, this isn't the best Star Wars movie of all time. <laughs> you know, which is yeah, a very fair way to judge. Well, you know, you know I mean it's, this isn't spaceballs too. I mean yeah, I mean maybe it's like to feel oh yeah, it's actually really great because it's a it's a really, you know, like on well, it's a second degree thing, like it's like like, you know, you, you get to see past and, you know, start to analyze it. I mean, it feels like it's just people rationalizing the fact it sucks. You know, well, I mean, here's the thing. I don't, I don't mind the just straightforwardly liking the movie. Like, I think uh, Grail, you know, you, you said, I, you, know, you, you just enjoyed it, right? I still enjoy it. Yeah, well. Yeah, I mean, I oh, think I there's a... No, I think I think that's fine. I think it's fine to just enjoy it, like to you know, this is popcorn fare, you know, at the end of the day, and yeah, to just sure. you know, like yeah. yeah, this was fun, and it had a lot of cool visuals, and it's nonstop, it's always go go going, and yeah. and that's fine. But it's when people sort of also they take that tact of I like how it destroy it, like it deconstructs the old Star Wars, and isn't so like it's like it's cleansing it and not being so simplistic and pure. Oh, and it's throwing good and evil out the window. It's like. Well, if you look at it that way, it's also got a lot of, like, very simple moral messages, like you were pointing out oh, like yeah. that, where yeah. it's like, I don't know that they were doing that for, you know, like, giggles. They play that pretty straight. Yeah, so, you know, it's it's a weird, it's a weird, that's where I sort of have a problem with the people that are sort of like, yeah, let's stick it to the fanboys and we're going to do a serious, a more serious movie or, like, it's more or less serious at the same time. I don't know, you know, I don't understand know, that point of view. This, the thing is, uh, you know, there's a lot of merit in being efficient, you know, in having, you know, clean lines, you know, clean plot lines and, you know, like, uh, yeah. there. you know, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, everything should be simplistic, you know, and, you know, the happy ending or if you're Asian, you know, it's got to be a bittersweet ending. You just got to be, you know, it's got to be, you you know, U.S. movies, you know, heroes got to win in the end, Asian movie, he's going to die because it's last. Okay, so that sucks. But like, I feel like this is—it's not really like it's not complex because it's mature and complicated stuff. It's complex because it's 
trendy to be and just because I mean Kylo Ren is not a very complex character it's just it's how to say portrayed as being complex but he's basically just you know power hungry so yeah he kills Snoke because he wants to be the big boss himself actually I that's probably my my favorite part of the movie you know I like that he kills a guy even though you know I feel like I have a, a lot of problems with Snoke but I like that Kylo Ren killed him and then well you know, Snoke in this movie uh, sorry for interrupting you. Uh, go, do you yeah. have? Do you, go ahead and finish. Uh, I mean, I mean, I was just gonna say I, I like that he actually, you know, like his desire was to become the, you know, it's, it's basically what Vader says to look at the end is let's kill the right. emperor and rule as father and son. I, I like that Kylo Ren did it. You know, um, yeah. I, I I feel like that's pretty cool for his character. Uh, even though I liked him less than uh, in the first movie. And Snoke, I like Snoke in this movie. The problem, I still is just who the fuck is Snoke? You know, like I mean. <laughs> guy comes out of nowhere and he's like the emperor on steroids and it's like oh so the, you know previously all these guys the emperor Vader, they didn't know this guy existed he just you know like he was hiding he was just you know and then uh, he popped out a, yeah he yeah. was in hawaii on a retreat it was like oh okay, <laughs> they're gone i i can move in so was he like, just plagueis you know oh it's my fan oh, oh yeah. we threw him we flushed him down the toilet but uh <laughs> i don't actually yeah i don't mind flushing him down the toilet either and I don't mind. And I like. I wanted to see Kylo Ren actually do that. That was actually one of my, you know, little pet theory, you know, things that I subscribed to and thought this would be cool if he did this. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that happened. But it, I thought he was he was made a worse character before he was disposed of. I thought in the first movie he was different than the Emperor, even though he was an obvious evil old man analog to him. That he actually seemed to he had a more uh, paternal relationship with Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. You know, Kylo, yeah. you know, he was more, he actually had concerns about Kylo Ren, yeah. in, not just, a, oh, oh, you're so pathetic and lame. You know, he was worried yeah. about him turning and, you know, are you going to be able to handle this? And they actually talked on a much more, you know, sort of human level. And in this movie, he was just like the emperor in gold and, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, like you said about Poe, he was just an evil guy archetype sitting in the chair. He was like a Bond villain. Yeah, and you know, it feels like, I mean, he had these guards who, like, were ready to turn on Kylo Ren at any turn, you know, you know, so I don't don't (laughs) know, it feels like, yeah, I mean, I feels like this is just, and you know, I mean, when he's like, oh, I can read his every thought, I I know what he wants to do, and you know, and, you know, he's He's, being played. He's a very bad reader. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's so, I mean, that's so lame, I mean, have, I mean, I would have it done differently, that's so, that's so stupid. That's so stupid. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, I've, I don't even know what to say. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of moments in this movie where I, I like, audibly sighed in the, uh, you know, in the theater. I was like, <laughs> you, didn't, uh, you didn't like uh, Poe Dameron's uh, phone call, your mama jokes, where he's, like, doing the soundboard internet, you know, YouTube video with Arnold? Uh, the call? <laughs> like, no. Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was i mean well i mean i i don't know I, that's that's not the worst i mean i i felt like the character of rose was pretty fucking bad you know i mean from beginning to end i mean I, i'm sure they had uh good intentions with it but you know there's that, another thing is well you know, that this, whole subplot was kind of interesting uh, in that i it was it, i didn't find it like greater exciting in and of itself and kind of weird when they're freeing the animals and running through the city it was oh, very yeah, that's sucks. that's pure very like, that's the lowest point is a movie lowest point well it was weird but i mean they paid it off in the end like the whole purpose of that it came back yeah. around and was like oh this is almost like the whole point actually 
like this is you know this is coming around to be like the crucial to the central theme but i just thought it could have been more interesting in and of itself and also just the idea too the very nihilistic point where the movie is kind of dark and cynical is like you know with the dj character who i liked because he was the most interesting thing hey it's benicio del toro he's doing funny voices yeah benicio (laughs) del toro stuff all right this is this is turning up this is better and uh i liked that whole message i thought that was novel for star wars to actually say yeah good and evil you know yeah look they're selling to you guys too oh look at this you know and and just this whole ending message where sometimes you know you blow them up sometimes they blow you up don't be part of the machine because you know it's i i agree i like that character i mean i I feel like yeah if you you know if there's one part of the movie where they successfully uh, how to say showed that yeah it's not just all black or white it's this character and this part and I, I feel but like you know what would have made it better even though I liked him uh, if, if they'd killed him you know like uh, after <laughs> the deal no, like, okay. no if it was Lando Calrissian oh yeah <laughs> sure but you and know, it would have been a great juxtaposition between Luke and Ray and Finn and Lando sort of learning from the scoundrel master you know it, if you will, true. you know and the ways, the, the true ways of the world. And it, he should have been like, you know, Han got soft, but I didn't, you know, something yeah. like that. But, or that uh, he just saw that, like, you know, yeah, you know, I tried being a, you know, that line to me stuck out too, because there was apparently dancing around the idea of making that Lando, but Johnson thought, oh, that's too much of a betrayal. But I thought, you know, you could tweak that so he's not really betraying the resistance or getting people killed, at least knowingly then like have him help the kids escape at the end or something and basically where he's just giving them that that nihilistic sort of worldview but uh, so i thought that would have made it more interesting and made it obviously i I, it would have energized that whole part i thought yeah i I agree i agree with that but But, i think uh, you had something to say so i i guess i should come into this saying i am not a very experienced star wars fan so i'm pretty casual uh, I did not grow up with it, so I'll start by saying that, like I said on the forum. I, uh, I guess I just enjoyed. Sure. Okay, the, now that you're done apologizing, you can say. <laughs> <it again. laughs> yeah. I have to give that context first before I say anything. Uh, <laughs> what? Are you? Okay? I was like doing an. Ang- I was doing an angry fanboy. You know, oh, you're. Okay, you're I like fell out of the car or something. <laughs> oh no. Anyway. Sorry. So I enjoyed the movie. I I see that you guys have a lot of criticisms about it, which I, I think are, are still valid. Sure. I I know that maybe I'm in the vast majority of people who or vast minority of people, I should say, who did kind of enjoy the, the casino just because it was like different from the space battles and the Right. And it was something different and visually I thought it was very dynamic and I enjoyed that part a lot. And mm. you know, I like the different <laughs> characters. Okay, as I know you're going to have some stuff to say about what I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. I was watching it, and I didn't feel what you guys felt in terms of the meandering plot. I, I was just like, whoa, they're juggling so many elements here, and everything is really right. interesting. There's just like, there was so much going on, and for my popcorn-eating ass, I thought it was great, because I was just like, whoa, whoa, I'm paying attention to so many different things i feel so smart because i'm keeping up with all these threads but well you know what you know why that's why in my mind i i'm indicting myself because i'm thinking because i'm looking for lando calrissian yeah i'm not, just, I'm not watching the movie you know i'm not experienced i'm not seeing all those things because my i'm so narrowly tuned and focused to yeah, well, where's where's my star wars fix yeah. 
I think that's that's the the key here is where's my Star Wars is what keeps coming up because for the old school fans, the kids who watched the first Star Wars when they were kids are coming into the movie with specific expectations. And I think I didn't necessarily have that. And maybe that's why I enjoyed it more because I enjoyed Luke's plot because I'm not attached to Luke very much. And I was like, wow, this is great. We're, you know, detaching ourselves from the Skywalker legacy. And like I said on the forum, we're kind of opening it up to the schmoes of the of the universe. And um, I think that gives it uh, more of a vital uh, way to continue the series. It's like it's not it doesn't always have to be about a Skywalker it's, or a Kenobi. It's you know, taking it's just, control of that inevitability. It's uh, uh, it's basically saying we're not going to let this happen to us, you know, by, you know, because Mark Hamill gets too old or because they all die and we're going to, oh, look, it's Luke Skywalker Jr. He's back. <laughs> the Skywalkers are still in control. Don't worry. Yeah. You know, we basically, dear leader is still here. One thing people should, you know, seem to have forgotten is that the Skywalkers were also schmucks, you know, like, I mean, Luke Skywalker is a farmer's son, you know, he's a, the sure. oldest trope in That's adventure true. movies. The, the, so, you know, they only made the Skywalker family a big deal afterwards. So yeah, in the extended yeah. universe. You mean and when he became know, a immaculate conceived, you know, yeah, uh, Jedi, mean, oh Jesus. Jedi Jesus, Jedi Jesus, right? So Jedi Antichrist. I mean, to to how to say, kind of counter what you said, Grail, which you know I, I totally understand everything, but like I feel like you know uh, it's not that it was boring and slow. It's like these people were very agitated, but they kind of got nowhere. You know, it's like. You know, this joke where, you know, soldiers are always in a hurry to get somewhere so they can wait for orders, you know? Yeah. So it's like they were, you know, you know, shaking their arms around and just, you know, it's <laughs> happening. And, you know, like in the casino, you get all these little goblins with, you know, gold and stuff. And it's, it's cool. It's, it's jokes for the kids, you know, and I mean, I'm fine with that. But yeah, I mean, like for me, for example, the casino, is it felt very superficial. It's like. Like so, they gotta get to uh, to find a guy, and they get to this place, yeah. and there's all these little guys. But yeah, mm-hmm. just I really like, didn't oh. like the phone call with Maz Cantina or whatever her name oh, is, yeah, oh, where it's like because it was just sort of the like everything has to be constant action, everything has yeah. to be emotion. She's on the, <laughs> they can't just talk to her; she has to be like playing, you know, Call of Duty at the yeah. same time. <laughs> and she's you know like I mean she she's being filmed by what the drones that you know follows her as he jumps around and shoots it. I mean it makes no sense. It's just it's just stupid. And you know I mean there's a real lot of stuff I didn't like. I mean I didn't like Admiral Holdo really like who the fuck sort of the name. Wouldn't that have been better if it was Leia? Yeah, I know I I I feel it would. They had and, a lot of chances to kill Leia off in this movie. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. I thought they so I jarringly thought they did and then they bring her back to life. It made it kind of creepy. It was like so it gave I, it this whole weird tone. I, I kind of liked uh, that she like force, you know, she pulled finally herself gets the force from. from yeah, from, yeah. I, I thought that was pretty cool. Except that, you know, that's not how people look when they're in space, like in in a void, <laughs> you know. And I feel like like every movie gets it wrong. And bombs and... don't drop in space either. But <laughs> what, what did you say? Sorry. Bombs don't drop in space yeah, either. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, oh uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. This and there's no sound and stuff. So, but but anyway, yeah. I thought this was pretty cool. All it made no sense. I mean, even when they it was very very Superman esque. It was yeah. it was cool. I don't have a. Pro- it was weird and cool, and it was sort of a nice way of showing her using like you know her extreme force abilities as someone that you know we're not going to see in a big lightsaber battle. 
yeah. you know, but to see, you know, how their powers are working for them. So I, I didn't have a problem with that. I know some people <laughs> objected to that one, but that was like, eh, that's okay. That's It's kind of weird. And yeah. it's sort of, you know, it seemed unnecessary. It was an unnecessary cool thing they did because it's like how about yeah. you just don't blow her out of the ship you know is the- I, I think it's uh you know it's part of the you know we gotta have uh, strong females and stuff in the movie and uh leah's kind of you know she's got on the stick you know in the past and let's let's make her badass and you know i mean yeah. I'm, I'm fine i'm fine with that i thought it was pretty cool i mean he's probably you know like if if you go back to the original movies and stuff it's probably not really you know it doesn't work well with the canon but you know whatever well, I guess I should conclude by saying just that, you know, I have parts of the movie that I dislike, just like you guys have parts of the movie that you mm-hmm. do like while you overall overall uh, dislike the movie. I guess I, I think that... I don't know that I do. I mean, I, I'm a simple <laughs> man. I like the, I know you I are. Like the lightsaber fights, you know. <laughs> you I mean, I'm a, watch, I'm a, you just want to watch the, the Jedi beat the Sith. Yeah, I, mean, I, want, I, I, I want the light show you were talking about. I personally could watch Kylo Ren cut down these, you know, guys in red armor all day long, you know, and just like force curse them. Ah! <laughs> you know, I could, I could have. You want, like, you uh, want oh, the end of Rogue One, the movie? Yeah, no, no, Rogue One <laughs> fucking blue, man. I hate it. <laughs> oh. I hate it for real. I mean, I mean, I didn't hate it, but I, I thought it was uh, pretty lame. And yeah, Sorry, even, guys, the, second. even the Vader part sucked up. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, uh, I mean, but uh, yeah, there's, there's a few parts I liked. I, I thought um, Luke was pretty meek. I didn't like like Jose Pardini much. Uh, his final confrontation with Caroline was was pretty cool, except he just died. You know, it feels like Padme. You know, he just died. Well, oh well, you know, he's tired. He died. There was, that's that's I think what made it tough because it's like if you didn't like what they did with this movie and how they had Luke do that from the island. If you thought, cause that was, that was weird, man. That was like, this is like, Whoa, this is some weird, you know, yeah, use the, man. use your, use the power of your mind and love to go across the galaxy. And you know, that like taken literally, that's a really bad move. But like, when yeah. you look at it, it was only when I thought of it in the context and you can see me actually forming those thoughts in the thread as like, like a metaphor for what we're seeing where it's like, yeah, this isn't a sequel to George Lucas's Star Wars movies. This is something by someone else, you know. And they're they all they can give you is an illusion of like that what of that wish fulfillment, you know. It's not it's not real. It's that's, you know, and that's what he's saying in the movie. Like I'm not going to show up and fight all these guys, and he doesn't, you know. But he gives you that illusion because that's what you know the galaxy needs and wants. But it you know it can't be real, and that's sort of the adult part of it. Well, yeah, I think that's kind of overanalyzing it. I mean, the fact that <laughs> Probably. it's a, a metaphor for is it not being George Lucas. I think it's just like these guys are like, oh, well, you know, it would be cool if he did that. Or just so, that, just that sort of that rigid, like what is and isn't Star Wars mentality. Where if you're being really strict about it, what these guys are doing, it needs to. By definition, this all isn't really, you know, your '80s Star Wars movies. Yeah, that we I mean, I mean, the prequel. Like I, f- I feel like the prequels already killed it you know i mean yeah like the, oh, the prequels yeah. were so unworthy of you know the names that i mean i i don't feel like like well, i said movies are threat. you know they can't even make a movie as bad as those prequels even if they try yeah. maybe yeah, I mean, maybe one day that will become profitable it's like let's try to remake the tone of the prequels and, and that's decide. one thing that bothers me about some of the criticism for the movie not what you guys are saying but hearing people saying 
Well, it's it's all because George Lucas gave up Star Wars to Disney. <laughs> he already ruined it. It's like, <laughs> have you? Were you guys paying attention? He already fucked the whole thing up. These you are know, the same people that hated George Lucas. Yeah, yeah. even dream- even now, I still feel like people would still say it's a vast improvement over what he put together for the prequel. Oh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah of course, yeah. Can't even compare it. So we've well, already been the, first. And this is a point that this is kind of by the way side, but I think there's a point in the favor of the movie. Uh, you mentioned how you like Canto Bite in the casino part. I thought a neat twist on that was when Rose said, "Oh, these are like the worst people in the galaxy in here." And in Star Wars, usually that means like a bar full of nasty aliens or something. And here it was, you know, like, oh, they're the richest people in the galaxy. I, th- I thought that was a funny turn. Instead, of it, being a bu- nice. instead well, of it being a bunch of low lives, it was a bunch of, you know, a bunch of people <laughs> living it up. Yeah, I think that was a nice uh, commentary. I mean, again, uh, I, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in the movie. You know, I feel like, uh, you know, it's not just because uh, I, I've seen some people complain about political commentary, but I mean, the original movies yeah, also had political commentary. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah sure. You know, Lucas has, has not made it a secret that uh, he's very political and, you know, a lot of the stuff in the movies are and allegories it's, and stuff. It's so, it's so vague, too. It's like, it's so, and it's so simple. It's like, you know, yeah. Like the stuff DJ was saying and the good and evil and the bad rich people. I mean, it's not like it's, you know, we're getting real yeah, subversive. It's, it's pretty anything. universal stuff. It's like, yeah, wow, profiteers are bad people. I mean, that's yeah. not that's not a very controversial message. So, you know what? That really offends my capitalistic sense of profiteering <laughs> off war, you know? So could you leave that out of my movies, damn it? Especially so, in a movie that's meant to sell toys at the end of the don't, day. Don't yeah. to me. <laughs> No, I re- you know, my point is more, like, I feel like uh, it's really, I mean, the editing was not good and the, basically the writing is not very good. I mean, th- some jokes really made me laugh. I mean, the stuff, uh, Chewbacca with the porgs, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty funny. I <laughs> yeah, actually that was laughed. Good. I felt a bit silly for laughing, but yeah. I still enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, I, I actually Luke, Luke laughed. had the you best know, dialogue, I, mean, I felt like. I felt like a lot of the characters took a step back, like Ray. I mean, her interactions with Kylo Ren were interesting, but the stuff with Luke, she's basically just repeating over and over. You got to take on the First Order, and Kylo Ren, I think she said that like, you know, six yeah. times. To, or he finally was like, here's, let's advance this plot. <laughs> Instead of you know, just asking. You know, like, I, I really liked the, um, the the dark side hole, you know, with the weeds and stuff, the seaweeds. Oh, yeah, that was... Uh, but the mirror stuff is like... I thought the like, sea god was down there. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. But then, you yeah. know, she gets to the mirror and it's just this kind of flame dream well, sequence. Well, it, it was very, like, again, like, not like what you expect from Star Wars. It was much more out of some, like, more like a Ryan Johnson movie, you know? It was like a neat idea he threw in there. And I, I liked that. That was fine uh, enough. Well, but, I mean, uh, so my, my problem with it is that it just is nothing. Like, she's in that kind of weird dimension. And then, you know, there's this face that forms, and it's her face. And then she wakes up, and it's well, like... Well, it, it, looked, it looked like it was actually Mark Hamill behind the glass. Maybe that was <laughs> just me. But I feel like they took him when he had the Luke Skywalker Bob haircut. And then, like, put, okay, stand behind the glass. We're really going to mess with him. And then it's just her and uh, the reveal later. But I didn't really mind that stuff. I thought the vision in The Force Awakens made, you know, more intrinsic sense to Star Wars. And I thought a lot of the dialogue in that movie was better, too. It was a lot snappier. They obviously had, like, Lawrence Kasdan working on it. Whereas yeah. this is, like, one, you know, and they also had the committee. They were working to make sure every... This would be palatable to new and old fans alike, you know. Mm-hmm. Offend, it will offend the least amount of 
a cross section of these people. Yeah, right. I also feel like my, maybe they're trying to cater to too many audiences. I mean, again, I feel like there's just too many characters. Uh, like Holdo could have just, you know, I don't know, he's just an thought, character. Well, I, I thought Holdo, they were teasing, and it never, you know, the twist was there was no twist. I was thinking, like, is she a traitor? Yeah, is same, she of trying course. To, you know, like when I'm actually, when I was just experiencing the movie, as you're supposed to just watch it, and it's like, is she is she saying? Setting them up to die? Is she yeah, basically a plant? I was thinking she's so obviously a fucking traitor and she's going to stay Especially because she shit. looks like she's part of like the evil rich class they show. Yeah. It was, also, I was buying those She's two wearing two nice and dress. She can't be a good guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, she's thinking. simple. You're dressed pretty nicely for, uh, you know, rebellion, you know, general. <laughs> like, so I, I, did, I did like this. Sorry, Greg, go ahead. No, I was just making fun of the, her hair clip and how nice okay, it was. I was... I was just gonna say I really did like uh, the idea of uh, using light speed to damage the ship. I mean, because that's an idea I've had in my head uh, for a while, you know. For, yeah, for that me. was uh, that was very cool. But so again, that I... whole—it was weird that it was sort of this proxy battle with authority with Poe versus her instead of it actually being with Leia. Because yeah. I feel like that almost would have been more effective and would have there would have been more explanation for why he would feel so empowered. Or, yeah. you know, old because of their personal relationship. Mm-hmm. It, it would almost make it less, you know, offensive. You know, it's like if you know your boss and are also friends with them, you might say something to them. You yeah. wouldn't say to someone you have a strictly professional relationship with. So I and thought then, it was kind of weird that, you know, he was such, <laughs> that he was such a mutineer. I see yeah. what I mean. And that he would. Uh, and at the end, if Leia were to sacrifice herself. It'd be kind of parallel to Luke's sacrifice at the end, even if, yeah. if they don't get to have that impact of them having that last conversation. It would still be like you know they're they're both fighting for the same cause now and yeah. die. right. You know and uh, uh, yeah, and I don't know. I don't. It's also weird because are they going to open the next movie with a funeral? I mean, do they have something else? I you don't know. know. Shot, that's that's so. what I'm wondering. Yeah, it's like mm. this is this awkward like Ryan Johnson's like somebody other guy's problem now. Bye. So uh well, that's that was the again that was his whole attitude with everything. He like this was like the end of the third movie at the end. Like where it's like hope for the future with the future Jedi's, you know, that da, 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 da. but it's like, well wait a minute, there's supposed to be a whole other movie and there's no lingering like questions other than well Kylo Ren's still out there. Uh Ray's still out there. She's leading this new resistance and she'll be the Jedi person. It was basically to me when he like when he says, "Well, the point wasn't to like get rid of old Star Wars." I'm thinking well, then you wouldn't have killed Luke Skywalker because if you left him alive at the end on that island, J.J. Abrams, you know, Star Wars fan could come in and be like, well, I'm going to have him all over that third movie, you know, helping Ray, and he's going to be, you know, the Obi-Wan guy at that point, you know? Yeah. And he, But he cut that off, and it seemed like it had to be intentional, and it had to be also a closing, you know, letting the, the twin sons set on that old Star Wars because from a practical standpoint, and what bugged me when I first watched it, it wasn't thinking of it this way, was they end up right where they begin. You know, Kylo Ren's still the bad guy, Ray's still the yeah. first person. And <laughs> I the agree. rebellion of the First Order, they didn't go anywhere except to shed the skin of the old Star Wars and to like, okay, we're starting over, you know, now, and it's yeah. just us. Yeah. It feels like, it, to me, it felt like it was a, a lot of nothing. You know, I, I mean, pretty much what you said is that you know, at the end of the day, you know, they started where it ended, where, you know, Ray's a good girl. She, she's, you know, untrained, but she's got, you know, a thing with the Force and, 
and Kylo Ren is a bad guy and he's evil and and that's it, you know. And and you know, and there's uh, like the First Order is ruling the galaxy, even though, you know, like there was supposed to be a Republic, but you know, right. I, I just you know my my main problem with this trilogy is, is just that the, the writing's really bad, you know. I mean, it's I don't mind killing off the you know the old you know cast and stuff like that. I understand everything behind it, but it's just the writing's pretty bad, you know. I mean, the characters, you know, a lot of them are pretty bad. Uh, a lot of the plot well, is pretty bad. It's it's not like you know. I feel like the the sacrifice of Luke and the old characters. Like, well, thank God we got them off the board because now we can get focus on the great storytelling we've got here because yeah. you know it's not like you know i thought the force awakens did a good job of actually making sure to make the kids the focus but to also have a heavy dose of harrison ford and it yeah. made both better and yeah. a lot of care was taken to do that and obviously there were a lot of hands that on that script and on the production whereas this felt much more like one man's vision for better or worse where mm-hmm. you know you've got a continuity and you can see the themes and ideas he's making and, you know, sort of the simple, you know, story elements he has in there, but it's also more anemic in that he like a lot of stuff got cut down. You know, you don't really have moments for, you know, Chewbacca. Like he's there, he has that Porg moment. He breaks down the door, but then he's not in the movie really. And neither is R2. He's in one scene. They, yeah. they all got kind of pushed to the side, whereas they were incorporated a little bit better in that previous one. You could tell thought yeah. into that. Well, he's here because, like, more anemic yeah and again i think you know it's you know one of the problems there's too many characters you know too many so the problem is all these characters you know are are so minor that you don't really care about them i mean i feel like again who cares about rose you know and who cares about fucking phasma again i mean why was that character (laughs) why did she show up yeah she looks cool no, she's just you know. I mean, Chrome. Doesn't oh, and you can cool bet she's gonna be. She's gonna be in the third movie. Yeah, star. Oh, she she her, fell her down. Helmet's the... gonna, her helmet will have a scar, even though yeah. her eye wasn't damaged. <laughs> I mean, she fell down in a, an exploding ball of fire in a ship. I don't expect she's her fine. to survive. <laughs> no, she's uh, good. She 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 got pushed in a trash compactor on a planet that blew up five minutes later. <laughs> Listen, as if the Force wills it, Phasma will return to have more oh, uh, yeah. action Phasma. figures for the kids. Sure. To have Even the name is stupid. Phasma, Holdo. <laughs> who, who who comes up with these fucking names? Seriously, Phasma? Yeah, the only thing Holdo? worse than George Lucas Generator. names... Yeah, Vice, the, the only Ad- thing worse than Lucas Vice, names are people Admiral, trying to... Holdo. <laughs> Seriously, I mean... Oh, God. Whatever. I mean, just... And I feel like, you know... I don't know. I feel like uh, what they did with Luke... It is kind of a waste, well, you know? yeah. And it was, it was, it, the reason it was a gut punch, I think, for fans, especially, I've talked to some really upset Luke Skywalker fans, like, bigger fans than me, like, people, you could hear emotion in their voice, you know, like, that was my hero, you know, it's like, damn. You had a conversation with Mark Hamill? <laughs> yeah, poor Mark I Hamill, you know. I the biggest Luke Skywalker fan who was dis- I just saw, I just saw on Facebook, it was trending, Mark Hamill says, that wasn't Jake my Skywalker. Skywalker, he was Jake <laughs> yeah. Skywalker, just some guy I made up. He was Luke Skywalker with two U's. He's the clone. JJ's going to basically say, just kidding. He's still alive. I just wonder what the what the behind-the-scenes conversations were like, where Ryan Johnson's like, look, I'm going to do well, this. and Mark is I'm like, surprised they gave him such control and such things, because there was no reason to kill off Luke. I don't feel like there was a mandate for that. You kind of felt like with Han Solo, Harrison Ford's not going to be here this he's not going to come along for the whole ride 
sure. this is the last hurrah. He was supposed to die in Return of the Jedi. So this is actually there's a nice full circle. Oh, and also he's sort fucking of, expensive. You know, which yeah, he's twelve million dollars versus three million for Hamill. And uh, so it's one of these things where it was surprising to me because it was like, well, there was no reason to do that. And especially if it's like you're doing like nothing would have changed if he hadn't have died. It didn't even it wasn't even that impactful a death. Like I didn't feel anything strong about it except for disappointment later that, oh, well, they're never going to be able to do anything with him anymore. They kind of cut him off. And it was like, it, I don't think it like added anything to, you know, yeah. the message or the plot, you know, like where his sacrifice, it didn't even feel like a sacrifice because he just sort of died after the mission was accomplished. Yeah, it's just, you know, it feels like, uh, you know, there's no impact, you know, it's pointless. It, it felt almost it's, selfish on yeah, Johnson's yeah. part. Like he wanted to put in that death scene with the twin sons and like, well, we had on Solo die in that one. We're going to kill Luke in this one. It's like, well, I don't know. If I was J.J. Abrams and I'm producing this, I would have probably stepped in and been like, uh, maybe cut that scene out. <laughs> Let me have Luke Skywalker back. Yeah, just I, have him watch the you know setting suns and be like, oh, well, you know, I'm going to some, some fish. Yeah, I was worried he was going to die, and then he didn't die, and then he died, and I was like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to milk the, the green milk cows now? Oh, boy. <laughs> The pressure so, must be enormous. What, what did you guys Luke think was, about like, the... was like precious to the ecosystem on that island, and now the, all those, those tenants, those fish moms are going to die, and, you know, oh, man. Sorry, I want to <laughs> go back to the Luke point. I, I realize that you guys, I see w what your point is and everything, but don't talk about it like he's not going to be coming back as a force ghost for the next... Uh, but or... that's, that's, force ghosts are lame. <laughs> it's like, you know, yeah. right? Force goes to this one. I got a little teary-eyed when I saw the Yoda force. Yeah, I, I, I was going to ask what but. you guys thought about the Yoda puppet uh, hologram. I mean, I mean, why? why I, that was the part I said. I don't know if you went back and read my post after you saw the movie, but I said I didn't know that scene with him and Luke. I did enjoy it, you know, on a certain level, but it was almost like, am I watching Star Wars or Spaceballs? Yeah, you know, where, where you know they're just goofing <laughs> around and it's so loose and light and it's like Yoda's just like fuck the Jedi, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah. and it's like you know I get it from Luke, but it's like whoa, this is really weird. Like, and why is Yoda like himself when he wasn't being himself? Like yeah. for you know when you first meet him in Empire, he's pretending to be this crazy little impish asshole, but he's never like that. In Again, <laughs> so it was weird that that's that was his complete self in that scene. Yeah, you know, I I kind of like that they tried to channel the original Yoda and not the yeah. prequel Yoda yeah. stuff. Yeah, I did. But, but the thing is, he was like that for the rest of Empire and Jedi too. Yeah. So you know, I Jose. Um, it was almost like an overcorrection. Yeah, pretty much. And also, like the puppet itself, you know. I mean, I like the idea of it, but not the execution. <laughs> I was looked, like, uh, just yeah. I mean, it's it's already a hologram. Just go for you know, just go for fucking CGI, you know. And uh, <laughs> oh god, I, I, don't I, know. I thought it was okay. I thought it was. You know, I mean, the oh, mouse. Boy. I mean, I don't know. The mouse was too rubbery for my taste. I was like, ah, oh, jeez, oh guys. And other than that, yeah, I don't know. I felt like, you know, he's really pat patronizing to Luke. And I'm like, you know, I mean, the guy's, what, he's supposed to be 70. He spent, you know, uh, 50 years. Well, Yoda's in... 900, so, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, he's like, oh, Skywalker, I missed you. You're such an idiot. <laughs> he just, you know, blasts the fucking book. I mean, I don't know. This, it feels no, like the, Ray, uh, Ray had the books at the end. Yeah, yeah, I did see uh, 
Uh, well, I don't know. Did she really? I, I wasn't sure. I saw no, them. Yeah, no, uh, yeah I, I saw the books, but I, I wasn't sure these were supposed to be the same books or not, because it's really just a, a fleeting moment. I think those are supposed to be the, the Jedi books. Okay. Which, I don't know, maybe they weren't, and those were in there, and that was another metaphor for like, oh, here's the original trilogy. <laughs> series. Yeah, I, I know. I, because I felt like I don't know. I don't remember exactly what scene it is, but I think it's another character who's just. And you see a box with his books in. And I was like, wait, these look like the same books, but are, are they? Or I think they it just... was Finn finding them on the Falcon. Yeah, right, if I yeah. recall. Yeah, pretty so, much. Yeah. They basically and basically it gives Yoda's line, you know, a different meaning, which is weird because it's like an hour later. And you're thinking Yoda's like, yeah, fuck those books. <laughs> those are totally lame. It's like, didn't you dedicate your 900-year life to that? <laughs> it's like, yeah. But then you find out, okay, she had the books. So Yoda Yoda knew something Luke didn't, which I don't know why he didn't just let him find out. Oh, she, she stole your books, too. The Jedi books. <laughs> wow. She is, yeah. a, she is a scavenger. <laughs> don't turn your back. <laughs> And what about the fact she's not... I mean, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the fact uh, her parents are supposed to be, you know, no nobodies or stuff like that. First, I'm not sure that's true. And second, yeah, I wouldn't care if they hadn't made a big deal out of it, you know, uh, right from the beginning. It's like, you know, you're, you're, you're made to expect it to be something. And then it's like, oh, well, it's nothing. Well, again, it was... Uh, uh, again, it's hard not to take it... As- as a uh, salvo and the whole, you know, this is pretty deep Star Wars fan stuff. You know, it's pretty insular and inside, you know, baseball. But uh, so, Grail, you can kind of be a check on this. The whole yeah. Skywalker versus anti-Skywalker Star Wars fans, you know, the ones that want Star Wars to be about the, you know, the little things and the people in the world and not just this sort of soap opera about the Skywalker family, you know, like the royal family of this universe sort of a thing. So it's hard well, for me is, uh, not to take it as a rejection of that. Yeah. I mean, the, the problem is uh, universal star Wars is so superficial. It's uh, it's hard to, I mean, what yeah. little things, you know, like stuff like Boba Fett, a fucking like a nobody character, which I still to this day, I have no idea why people care about, you know, it's just some kind of, you know, nothingness. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Yeah. He had a cool helmet. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, Basically, you know, it's not cool. like, it's not like, but, when you look at the whole Star Wars, you know, uh, universe stuff, it's just, you know, because uh, Han Solo was a, you know, a smuggler, they've got all these smuggler types, you know, all over the universe, it's just, you know, it feels like a third of the people are smugglers, you know, just because Han Solo was a cool smuggler. So it's he, like, a, yeah, yeah, it's like there's a race of smugglers, you know, yeah, basically, it's, it's like it's a yeah, culture. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think there is a Star <laughs> Yeah. That Star Wars online game, I think it's like an, a legit class, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, in every every fucking Star Wars games ever, there's a smuggler class, and you know, and I'm like, there's Darth Vader's, there's smugglers, there's Jedi. Yeah, <laughs> like they, they have you know mercenaries oh. for the guys who like Boba Fett. They have smugglers who like guys who like Han Solo. Yeah, and it's just uh, a wonder there's no princesses, you know, like uh, for yeah. people who like Leia. I mean, it's just. It's so weird to me. I mean, it, it's not a war that it's not a very rich universe. No, you know? yeah, it's like everything in that universe is extrapolated from like you know the main characters people like. You know, they just took them and yeah. tried to you know yeah, stretch ex- them out to be the whole to encompass the entire universe. Yeah, exactly. And so, and I mean, 
I mean, I get that uh, Ray is not. I mean, I, I don't really mind that she's not, you know, related to the Skywalker family. But again, I just feel like I don't know. They made a big deal out of it. Uh, you know, in the end, it was for nothing. I feel it's the same problem I have with Snoke. You know, it's just I don't mind that there's Snoke. I don't mind he dies. I don't mind anything about him. But it's weird to spend a movie and a half with him though if he's just a red herring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, too, I mean, that's it feels like a waste, narratively speaking. And also, uh, you know, explain to me where he fucking came from. I mean, and I, I feel like this is cheap because, you know, this is going to be books. There's probably already books and comic books and stuff <laughs> like that with the, the story of Snoke, you know, the rise of well, Snoke. Oh, uh, you so, know it. You know, there's going to be novels upon novels about it. Oh, well, yeah, I know. And this is an interesting point on what we're talking about with this movie's place and, you know... Grail brought up the prequels and all the books and the old EU and how this does or doesn't play into it. And I think uh, in the point of this, which is that uh, these movies are just, you know, more Star Wars media in a sense, and another way to make uh, money on it. But the fans are looking for something that they can't have, which is some sort of, you know, true for something pre-media. Yeah. Yeah. They're looking for some sort of religious, authentic, Star Wars experience that they had as children where it's like, well, you know, you, it, some of you don't even think Return of the Jedi meets that criteria. You know, you're yeah, so picked. It's, it's it's a losing battle. You can't get that. We're selling toys here now. This is <laughs> yeah. Disney. You know, you're not going to get you're not going to get Empire the you, second coming. It's Yeah, and you shouldn't set yourself up for failure. Yeah, I and I go in I went expecting that with The Force Awakens and was disappointed and then I sort of readjusted, you know, to appreciate what they were actually doing as sort of a tribute to the original movie while also creating something viable to move forward. Mm-hmm. And this one was even more sort of a, you know, a rebuke. I didn't think it was as viable moving forward other than to be a total rebuke of, you know, it was almost like, you know, you called in the berserk portion of this, uh, like a conversation between Casca and Farnese. This was almost mm-hmm. Abrams and Johnson, like a traditionalist and a radical. It's like, we got to, move on and get out of here because guess what we're moved on anyway we're not actually going to recreate the original star wars or clone it or anything like that we got to just move on if it's going to be anything that's vital sure and you know i i still recognize the criticism as i know you have feelings about the story itself which is not necessarily uh you know commenting on uh, on some of the choices made but uh I feel like I, I appreciate what Ryan Johnson did because it was different and it wasn't just attempting to do like a rehash of one of the right. movies. And so, you're probably seeing it more for what it is than I am. You know, I'm seeing I've got this dissonance where I'm replaying Star Wars in my in the back of my mind the whole time yeah, I'm and, watching and comparing the frames. And to critique Ryan Johnson and, and his team on that is like that's the, that's the audience that they should be worried about. Probably not necessarily myself. I'll go there. I'll, I'll watch. I'll watch just about anything. I'll sit there with my snacks. But you guys that, have that's very a very personal weird relationship. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a weird thing because the first movie was very conscious of that and very careful about that. And I think yeah. Johnson. I don't think he's any less a Star Wars fan or anything. I think he just sort of interpreted it differently, and he so and he went forward with that. At, and uh, it ended up alienating a lot of people that are very conservative in their Star Wars, you know, views. Which is like it's weird. Getting a lot of tweets right now, some strongly worded yeah. tweets. Yeah, where it's it's weird because it's like, well, I mean, did you think the EU was that great, or the prequels, or has it? You know, your childhood was dead a long time ago on the Star Wars front. 
Mm. You know, so it's it's weird to look at these and expect them to almost they have to be better than the originals. Not only do they have to be as good as the originals, they got to take it to that next level. I'm a grown up now, and I want my grown up Star Wars. <laughs> you know, yes, it feels like the, anybody who's working on a new Star Wars film is uh, is it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Right. And, uh, you know, storyline you know, feel- flaws, character flaws, notwithstanding. Trying something different is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, you know, honestly, um, I, I feel like that's not really fair. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm. Well, the counter I'm, to that is you just say like, well, you know, this movie wasn't that great anyway. Yeah, I mean, that's that's my point. I, I, I don't feel like I'm super attached to the Star Wars, you know, uh, franchise and canon. You know, I mean, I, I did enjoy yeah. these movies uh, very much when I was a kid, but that was a long time ago, and the, the prequels pretty much killed any interest. I had in that <laughs> word in itself. So I, I, you know, I, I mean, I go see the movies so I, I can talk to, about them with you guys and I'm not spoiled, you know, on Twitter, but that's the extent of it. Otherwise I, I wouldn't really care to see them just, you know, on Netflix or something. So I just, I just don't think the movies are that good. I mean, I, um, I saw Valerian uh, recently uh, on a plane and um, uh, I mean, I, I felt like the, the movie which was uh, not that good was better than this uh, star wars movies this, this latest i brought one. valerian up actually yeah. oh well in, you uh, know. in one of my posts where i mentioned and my point was that if this movie was called valerian no one would be calling it great yeah like, pretty much, you know yeah. it's like you know you might enjoy it i thought i thought it was enjoyable too as i watched it i enjoyed it pretty much all the way through and then at the end for a lot of the reasons i'm citing i kind of just felt like you know okay about it and then i've you know i can talk myself out of it or into it depending on my mood and the part where i talk myself into it is where i look at it from johnson's point of view and this whole uh you know analysis of it as well this movie is actually about star wars in a very you know mm. literal way rather than trying to just be a movie so what, what could be the bigger fan you know interpretation than that but you know i also I think it like... just didn't work i didn't think it was that great as a practical literal star wars movie I feel like in 15 years, no one will be saying this movie was great. The same way no one is saying today that uh, Phantom Menace was great or whatever. I even don't remember mm-hmm. the names of the other ones. But, you know, I mean... That's, that's just... amazing. I went, when I watched, the, I watched those movies with my wife, and it was like the worst movie I'd ever seen, The Phantom <laughs> Menace. It was, I hated that movie for being a bad Star Wars movie as a kid. But just knowing that and watching it, I was like, this is just terrible. Like it, every five seconds, it cuts to a new scene. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Like the pace and the, the cutting. And it's just, yeah, uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see how people look back on these. I think it'll be, history will be pretty kind in the sense that, you know, these movies aren't necessarily transcendent classics as much as Disney's doing everything they can to make them as big and bold and action packed and get big filmmakers to work on them as they can. Because you can't, there's no, you know, accounting for that. You know, it yeah. just it happens. It happens, feel, but it doesn't. I, I feel like because we're going to get uh, a new Star Wars movie every two years from now. <laughs> yeah, there's and that like, Until we're dead, yes. Yeah, for, forever. So and then I feel for, like, you know, years after our death, until the, <laughs> until the sun explodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, you know, I feel like there's, uh, you know, it's going to be the, the value is going to diminish over time, you know. And maybe we'll yeah. get a great one, you know, like... I don't know, four four movies from now 
now you, you get ones that's really well made and people are like, ah, oh, it's amazing. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like uh, these other ones will just be, it's like James Bond movies, you know. Uh, it's yeah. going to be, oh, yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, you know, you got to watch it because uh, they, you know, reference it in another in movie, uh, three movies down the line, you know. So yeah. I feel like it's going to be like that. You know, Star same Wars with, uh, Episode 17 was my favorite. Yeah, pretty much, you know. I mean, you know, if I, if I'm honest, like if I'm uh, how to say, if I uh, embrace my inner snub, uh, it's what I said in my post. I think like um, the original movie was uh, was pretty great, you know, really really great for what it was, and I feel like uh, it should have ended there. Um, you know, I, I think uh, people uh, overestimate the quality of uh, Empire Strikes Back. So mm-hmm. I, I feel I feel like you know, honestly, the the finale to the first movie, where they just, you know, blew up the Death Star and then they get the medals. That's a perfect ending, you know, the end. Well, then by the same token, it you know, feeling that way, it's then, well, who cares if they make, you know, a million of these anyway, well, right? Yeah, well, it doesn't I mean, it really I'm, matter one way yeah, or another. I mean, at, at this point, anyway, does it, like, does it matter? You know, I mean, Luke is dead, Han is dead, I mean, whatever. Luke is dead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, honestly, I um, I don't care. I mean, I, personally, I don't care. I mean, I I might go see the next one, but and uh, you know, we're that, gonna say it. that every we're gonna say that every time though. Well, like, you know, was, you know, I, I don't know. I honestly, I really only saw them, saw that one, so I could talk uh, about it on the podcast. And it was the same for the Force Awakens. So and yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's entertainment, but uh, you know. It's the same is for Thor three or whatever you know Spider Man Homecoming or whatever mm. other thing you know they're doing. It's just you know or Valerian or no, it's else. it's a good point as I think that you know supply and demand dictates that Star Wars is not going to be the religious experience that people want it to be anymore. It's just another movie series, well, and yep. you know it hasn't been since like at least nineteen eighty three, you know, or maybe yeah. since the mid nineties. Yeah. Like I think Lucasfilm did a good job keeping the fandom alive through the nineties. Basically the special editions is when the cracks started appearing in the armor. And then uh, the prequels were like, Whoa, you know, the magic is gone. (laughs) That was the, and so, you know, if you look at all this stuff, including the prequels and all that is just, you know, merchandise, you know, that's come out based on the first movies. Then it's like, well, what are people getting so worked up about? Or what? Yeah, what did you expect? You know, you yeah, thought this was going to make your life better <laughs> somehow. Yeah, realistically, I was just watching a, 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 a interview with Stephen Colbert where they were showing, uh, you know, Luke Skywalker selling bags of iceberg lettuce now. So don't get yeah. any delusions about. I, I saw that. Yeah, and and it a lot of people's enjoyment of the movies. I personally feel like it's tied up with feelings about being young, being a child again. And watching those movies, I I yeah. enjoyed them at watching them as an adult, but of course I would have felt very differently watching them as a seven year old, like you guys probably did. Yeah. So it's mm. different, and I I will always prefer movies that try and do something different. I haven't seen Valerian, but uh, I've been wanting to just you know see a sci fi movie that really pushes the envelope and tries to do something new, and that could be the next Star Wars for a kid now. So yeah, what's funny is. It- that this movie did things differently sometimes by doing taking the more pedestrian choice or the less grandiose one. Because mm. that was always the Star Wars move, like, 
oh, you know, his father is the big bad guy in the universe. And, you know, yeah. and then, oh, and he was created from the force and da 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 down the line. Whereas in this one, they're it's like, well, let's more bring him down yeah. to Earth. Yeah. yeah, like let's simplify it. Where it's like, there's force people out there. And there's some people without the force who are smugglers. <laughs> and, yeah. and we're going to go from here. You know, I like that. Sorry, I forgot what I wanted to say. You guys talk too much. <laughs> Jeez. I was going to... No, fuck, I forgot. Damn. Damn. So, uh, we've been talking about this for a while. I've had two audio hiccups since this happened, so I, I feel sorry for Walter. Uh, I'm going to have to give him three three MP3s. Um, but how how would you guys say you're feeling about the third movie? Are you... Uh, oh. Do you think you guys are going to go see it in the theater or are you going to skip? I'll go see it. I mean, I, I was saying the same thing. There's the last chance, you know, and then I've got mixed feelings and I'm still... The, the weird thing about the next one and going forward is is it really is sort of a blank slate. You know, what the hell is J.J.? J.J. Abrams had ideas, clearly, that he set up for this one and for the next person. Mm-hmm. Or he was just doing his mystery thing. But th- now the, the slate really is blank and he kind of has to start over. And it's going to be interesting to see if he starts over in the vein of The Force Awakens. And mm-hmm. like, well, let's rebuild the Star Wars. Let's go heavy on the, the Star Wars mythology and imagery again, like I did in that that one and that ryan kind of you know cast aside so Mm -hmm. that that's it's that's what's most interesting to me i don't really care what iteration he's going to do of kylo ren is the darth emperor and ray jedi is gonna have to stop him you know there's also these other guys you know coming along on both sides with them yeah i don't know i mean again um i guess if I can, if I have time, I'll, I'll, you know, which for this uh, movie, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to see it, so I did. But you know, I wouldn't go out of my way necessarily to to do that for the next one. So, you know, I, I might see it uh, if we're to talk about it on the podcast, and also because I I inherently don't like to to get spoiled. So uh, I, I, yeah, you, you gotta know, see I, it quick. Sure. Yeah, because otherwise, you know everybody's talking about it on Twitter and stuff. So it's kind of a thing where I'm like, you know, I feel like socially, you know, I got to see it so I can talk uh, about it. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't have... Um, That's like how Disney wants you interest. to feel. Yeah, and I remember what I wanted to say is that, you know, as a kid, you know, people continuously talk about the nostalgia aspect. I feel like, you know, people really underestimate how big of a deal the special effects were, you know, for the movies back then. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the reason the first Star Wars is incredible is because uh, the special effects are fucking amazing and yeah. you know and, and like that's uh, really a big part of why it made an impression on me as a kid and the thing There's is like no history yeah yeah I mean it's like it's literally a big deal and um, and these movies you know they can't replicate that because you know nowadays you know like they can't just I don't know what they would have to do to to you know, make a mark, you know, uh, like the, that movie did at the time. But, you know, they're yeah. not going to do it well, uh, by just being released in uh, IMAX or something. So What's interesting about that is that was the one place where the prequels did live up to the originals in a sense. Because Lucas, because he had the resources and the money and the, the guaranteed success that was going to come with it, did kind of revolutionize again how to do those blockbusters. Buster movies, you know, people oh, sort of laughed yeah. at, you know, he was like, oh, it's all on a green screen, you know, it's, you know, and everyone thought, oh, this is really clunky and blah, blah, blah. But that's how all these movies get 
made now. Yeah, so I mean, it's, it's kind it's, of funny that that's the one place where it was a success. Yeah, it's true. He kind of pioneered that, but yeah, yeah, I mean, he went overboard and he just couldn't like, write a script or have them act out the scenes properly with those, you know, the yeah. tennis balls that were going to be monsters. Yeah, boy. I mean, and, and you know, like he just, you know, I feel like uh, a lot of the actors uh, playing sucked, you know, like, uh, yeah. like the guy who did uh, Anakin. And, and you know, to what Grail was saying, like the almost the innovation with these, rather than being like technical, you know, special effects innovations or how you do filmmaking is, uh, is like marketing and merchandising and sort of this yeah. slick machine that they've got to pump well, out you know, these pumpingly made, you yeah, know, that, appetizing that, movies. That's true, but that being said, uh, that was always the case. I mean, uh, Lucasfilm's empire was built on selling toys. You know, that's his big yeah. thing. Is he made he his got to keep the merchandising. Yeah, he just made a fortune on the toys. And when the prequels were released, you know, there was also like the merchandising was insane everywhere. So, all I right, mean, that's just all that's yeah, really well chronicled by Red Letter Media's review, which is part. Of, I feel like a lot of my Star Wars education is. Thanks to those guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not a, honestly that's not a bad one. Uh, they're pretty like um, they, they know the stuff, but they're also pretty objective, and you know they have a, a very grounded uh, take on it. So did I mean, you guys? Oh, well, I guess if you just saw the movie as you wanted, but did no, uh, no, yeah, did I didn't watch, watch the review uh, yet. Trail? No, no, I I haven't had the energy to. Uh, Gob was asking me, "Hey, you want to watch it?" I was like, "You know, it I is forty-five well, already, minutes." Yeah, I've already heard that they don't like it, that they're depressed about it. I don't want to watch these guys be depressed. I want to. <laughs> no, watch I mean that's that's, that's like at the, the very end, but it's yeah. uh, it's uh, funny to watch them get say. there. Yeah, I guess I feel like as a fan of you know just casual Star Wars fan, I feel the way that I feel about it, and I know that kind of like with you guys, I know you guys feel a certain way about it because you have a history with it, and I know yeah. there's a similar history. And that's like, I'm just going to let them have that moment and I'll watch them watch the best of the worst. Yeah. <laughs> the next, you know, it's, um, the next nerd crew. <laughs> it's okay to, to like it for what it is, you know. I mean, for all, uh, all I've said, you know, I don't have a problem with people liking it. Just, you know, I mean, the same way. A lot of people like a lot of pretty shitty stuff, you know. I mean, <laughs> so, so long as they, I, I mean. I don't I, mind if you like shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no. No. Sure. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm generally pretty critical of stuff, you know. So yeah. I also understand if people are like, you know, I just liked, you know, the battles and stuff, and you know, I mean, why not? It's not, you know, just enjoying I mean, it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of budget went into this, so there's a certain level of competence, which even if, even the bad parts are, you know, they are not really awful, you know, like the prequels yeah. were. So, you know, I mean, I, I didn't, you know, some, some parts made me sigh, but I, I wasn't like, oh, my God, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's an interesting time because, you know, I've had a week to think about the movie. And I thought when I first saw it, I was like, ah, oh, you know, maybe maybe I'm going to feel differently about it when I see it again. Or, you know, maybe I'll feel differently after just a week of reading tweets about it and thinking about it. And, you know, I still get that kind of warm feeling thinking about the movie and just how, you know, I know Griff. You were saying the ending was a little bit of a cop out, but uh, I wasn't even thinking about the ending to tell you the truth. I didn't even notice the part where the kid was force sensitive. I missed that. I was oh. looking at my phone or something. Oh. But I didn't think it was a cop out. I thought it was just 
it was kind of this manipulative you said yeah oh yeah 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 i did i did say that i was i was joking though there about the dopamine i was actually not thinking about the ending i I thought that was a kind of a kind of a petered out a little bit but i thought that the yeah, it was kind of weird i actually liked that ending just because it tied into the canto bite stuff and gave it a little more purpose you know like it, like yeah. it took it it, it it took a strange route but it kind of made the movie whole at the last second sure sure kind of bring you know, I, I actually liked that but i also thought it was more of an ending that you'd get like you know what it reminded me of the ending of mass effect 3 with like the the you know, the old man and the boy talking about, you know, yeah. space. and just, it was a very the short, <laughs> Yeah, it was very, like, an epilogue. Yeah, yeah, so I, that aside, I guess I, I, what I'm trying to say is I might feel differently about it after I see it again, or maybe I'll feel different, but right now I still like it, and I still respect what you guys have to say about it. It's just a weird time, I, I'd say, because the opinions are so polarized, because I've seen people yeah. say if you don't like the movie you're an idiot or if you enjoy this movie you're a stupid motherfucker it's yeah like, it's pretty nasty and i don't get that either because it's like i don't really i don't see this yeah I, I definitely understand the fanboy scorn for people that don't agree with them that's old as time yeah, but the, so. there's also a backlash to the backlash of people like I'm glad this movie tells fans to go eat shit. You know? it's like, oh, well, that's, man. That's, that's weird. You know, that's weird too. Now you're just that's like a, that's a really uh, yeah, that's a mean way of looking at it. I like yeah, that. You're it, like some light side troll or something, you know, you, <laughs> dark Jedi. No, uh, yeah. at the end of the day, I I'm excited by new stuff and I'm, uh, I'm excited to see if they'll push the envelope again for the third movie though. If JJ's yeah. coming back, he might try and backtrack who knows. So it's kind of, yeah, it'll be interesting time. to see if he's like, Hey, guess what? Luke's a force ghost. And he's in, uh, like 75% of the movie. <laughs> he's such a powerful force ghost. He's might as well be alive guys. He might as well, he's pretty much, there's actually precedent for this. I looked it up. Qui-Gon Jinn can ba- basically almost materialize. Like Luke does in that scene, Force as a Jesus, ghost. guys, it's Force Jesus's second coming. Oh. I know. Or they can, of course, do the thing with the hand with Luke Skywalker. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. the the, <laughs> the Luke Skywalker clone right. that was the fake one on the island, or they bring him back to life. Oh my God, yeah. So you know that would be even worse <laughs> than just letting him be dead. But uh, we'll see. It's interesting right. that they put Abrams in that position where it's like you need to do something new <laughs> you need to think yeah. of something yeah so yeah i guess i've said what i have to say about the movie do you guys have anything you you wanted to touch on before well, i should my, probably go to work <laughs> my, my last words on it will be that uh when i'm your position grail in a week i feel like i'll uh, already have forgotten about the movie so <laughs> that's that's well, uh, yeah. i i do give it credit that i'm still thinking about it and sort of you know thinking of all these interpretations that makes me like it more like the more i think about it it's not like i just come to the conclusion ah it sucked you know or even when i think of its flaws i still think of you know it it at least gives me i can entertain myself with it sure so that's a that's a that's in its favor all right so but i also understand uh eh. yeah fair enough that's it i guess yeah Yeah. i i guess we'll uh should we hit stop now i guess (laughs) 